and welcome to episode 230 of the Redbox Report, the weekly movie podcast where we talk about all of the latest Blu-rays and DVDs and video games that were released on Redbox. I'm your host, Bob Fail. And I'm your co-host, Brooks Fail. This episode is a very special, I feel like I've been saying that every single time lately, but <laughs> for real, uh, this is the fifth annual Redbox Awards, and also probably the last episode of the Redbox Report of all time. Dun dun yeah. dun. But, I mean, not really, because we'll be back next week under a different name, doing basically the same thing. Slightly different. Yeah. A little slight rebranding. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, yeah, I love the uh, award show podcast I prepare for. It's like the entire year is just. Leading up to this moment, and culminating in the year's best and a million different categories, and ultimately it disappoints, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah, more prestigious than the Academy Awards. Oh, absolutely. We've got tuxes on. Um, what other jokes can we make? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to pick mine up from the dry cleaner. <laughs> yeah, yes. I've had... Anyway. Um... Yeah, 2017, crazy year in non-podcast and entertainment-related stuff. Pretty crazy year for the podcast as well. We had three regular co-hosts this year. Started off, Joel Fallon in the mix. He's like, yo, going to bail. I'll be back. Uh, So I got Casey Brady back in for the summertime. And then he had to go back to school slash work. Same thing for him since he's a teacher. And then uh, Joel still hasn't come back, hoping that one day he will. But uh, <laughs> in his stead came the guy who never left my side over from the MMA world. It's Brooks Phelan. Yes, sir. Yeah, so. Acting like I know stuff about music, movies. But, uh, <laughs> We're teaching We all you. know that's not true. No, no, we definitely know that. But you'll learn. <laughs> no, you're right. Uh, what did you think of this year overall for the podcast for anything? Uh, I, I, I enjoyed stepping in. Um, I was definitely nervous starting because I just like got my feet under me with the MMA, uh, the red belt report. And, uh, then it felt like a big shoes to fill coming over to here. You put a lot of work and a lot of time into this. So I definitely wanted to do it justice as best I could. Yes. And it was the justice league. Uh, with all the co-hosts this year, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it was a good it was a good year. I thought just overall, as far as I've, I had fun doing a podcast, even if it had you know we missed more weeks than I would normally like, and you know had inconsistency. I still enjoyed my time. I felt like it was mostly good all the way through. Um, I'm sure there was a few stinkers here and there, but that's going to happen no matter what. But uh, still enjoy doing it. Not planning on stopping anytime soon as far as, like, movies are concerned. I thought it was a... I know the thing with with this podcast is we're not really up to date. Like, our best movies of the year awards are going to be stuff that was released as a rental. So that it's not necessarily a best of 2017, but overall I I felt like it was uh, really strong. 2017, I think, year of the blockbusters. Like, yeah, in my opinion, 
like 2016, 80 to 90 percent of the blockbusters disappointed or really bad. And I feel like it was the opposite this year. I feel like this is one of the best years for like big blockbuster movies in a long time, maybe that I could ever remember. Um, so many of them exceeded expectations or met lofty expectations. As far as like um, indie movies and dramas and like you know the rest of this non-blockbustery stuff, I feel like it was pretty average. A lot of good stuff, some great stuff, but not like a 2007 type year where it's like one after the other, like uh, greatest hits. But yeah, I thought there were some good surprises in terms of, like indie movies um, this year. Yeah, for sure, and we'll get to a lot of those, I'm sure. But yeah, so just to catch everyone up to speed who hasn't been to one of these award shows before, uh, our our criteria, which it, it's a little bit murky, I, it's kind of evolved over the years. It used to be just movies that we reviewed on on the podcast, but I changed it to be anything that was released on Redbox or Netflix if it's streaming only. Uh, is eligible in twenty like released in twenty seventeen. Yeah, I didn't follow that. No, I mean that would be impossible since you just came on so late and had no idea. So yeah. I basically told you anything that came out towards the end of last year and up to all of twenty seventeen. That was fine because I figured you haven't even really seen too many of the newest of the new. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think I really even have anything from the end of two thousand sixteen. I definitely. Uh, was able to keep it in 2017, but definitely not all Redbox movies. Yeah, I mean, basically, and especially since we're shifting away from uh, the Redbox report and we're going to be failing to communicate, I think it's going to evolve even more next year. It'll probably just be like, uh, yeah, anything. Like, uh, there'll be no limit. It'll just be new movies that we saw, you know, over the years. Yeah basically be a little more up to date with that um but we'll see that's a year away who knows probably gonna be a lot of changes by then we'll have to expand the video game categories and maybe decrease the movie categories but we got time to figure that out it's a long time (laughs) yes it is there's a lot that can go on and Go on, we must. There's a lot of categories <laughs> to get to. We got to get to them. But we did get an email. I put out the call for you know anyone to send in their selections if they wanted to give a shout out for any of these categories. And of course, as usual, the only, even, even former co-host Casey and Joel, they couldn't get anything in. <laughs> but uh, uh, the only response I got was from best friend of the show, Edgar Shaput. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll have him on Found to communicate uh, like you, like we normally would. But just uh, at the end of this run here, I'd like to give a big shout-out to that guy. Uh, honestly, he's been a huge help on getting any kind of word across. He always helps promote the show and comes on. is is great when he comes on. And, uh, yeah, hopefully that relationship will continue in the future. Definitely. But he says, hello, Redbox Report. What a year. My God, how do you people find so much time to watch all these movies, Netflix shows, and sporting events? I couldn't fit in more movie watching if I tried. The announcement of the 2017 Redbox Awards got me thinking about my favorite and least favorite films. 
as, as with 2016, I took a look at what was reviewed on the show from January through December and compiled selections for the categories. Well, most of the categories. I'd say keep up the same great work, but the podcast is on the cusp of a makeover. I'm excited to listen to the new format in 2018. Change can be great. Change can be a great adventurous thing. Sometimes you need to sex things up a bit. <laughs> in any event, thanks for the show and best wishes for the new year. Signed, Edgar Schuppert. Best wishes to thanks. you as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to basically what I'm going to do. I'm not going to. Last year I just read all of his picks for all the categories straight up. This year I'm going to hold on to them and kind of use them as intros into as many of the categories as possible. And uh, we're going to start it off with the stuff that is least related to what we do on this show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> best podcast of the year is the first category up. Um, and Edgar says, I'm partial to the Redbox Report. I don't know <laughs> of any other podcast. I know that's not true, but I appreciate the pandering and uh, I'll allow it. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you put together a... Uh, a top one, three, five, ten, twenty uh, podcast list, Brooks. But uh, yeah, I got three here. Nice. What is your relationship with podcasts in general? Uh, uh, I don't listen to a whole bunch. Like I was saying earlier, I watch uh, like the MMA Hour on YouTube usually, and Joe Rogan's podcast. I usually, like watch them on YouTube rather than listen, which is, uh, I guess, uh, not usual. Or say our podcast, but uh, I don't like just listen to straight audio ones very much, so I don't have a big array of uh, things to pick from. But right. I definitely have some that I regularly tune into. Nice, nice. Let's hear what they are. Um, I guess I could do a top four. I'll, I'll leave the fourth as an honorable mention. Is uh, um, oh great! Now I can't think of uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is the editor's name? MMA uh, fighting Nakano. Uh, Luke Thomas? Luke Thomas, yeah, his uh, Wednesday chat that yeah. he does. It's a great um, one. Yeah, I, sometimes I really like it, sometimes I don't. Um, I've always been a fan of Luke Thomas. Sometimes I feel like he can be a little pretentious. but uh, So that's my honorable mention and uh, continuing with... Well, there goes that guest we're going to get. <laughs> just being honest, man. <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding. But uh, continuing on the MMAfighting.com's uh, bandwagon here. I got uh, number three would be the MMA beat. The every, usually every week Thursday show with the panel. Yep. Um, Sports reporters ask. Yeah, if you remember uh, that from uh, ESPN days. I don't. <laughs> Sunday mornings uh, was a show I used to love as a kid. Same exact structure, and they've mentioned it on the show. But yeah, they sit around and they'll go through the biggest stories of the week and dive into it. Yeah, they, they pick apart the hot hot takes every week. So it's always good to keep up to date with what's going on uh, in the MMA world, especially to relate to our podcast. Yeah. So my number three, uh, number two is uh, MMA Hour, Ariel Hawani's probably one of the best podcasts, definitely the best MMA podcast by a landslide. Um, if you have but, five hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. Usually I'm, like, picking through the guests that I want, but he's always yeah. got phenomenal guests. Um, Great interviewer. Yeah, great interviewer, breaks news on there all the time, always gets uh, gets the dirt from the fighters straight straight away. So that's definitely, uh, that's my number two. Number one is going to be Joe Rogan experience, Joe Rogan's podcast. Uh, they, 
they're like three hours, usually about three hours long, usually about twice a week, sometimes less, sometimes more. But he, it's, it's kind of like almost what we're going to be doing where it's like a variety show. You just have a guest and yeah. we'll talk about whatever that guest, uh, expertise are, whatever. And recently he has also kind of rebranded where he does MMA shows and then the regular podcast shows. Yeah, I did see something about that. I, I've never, I've tried to listen to his show uh, a couple times. I could never get into it. It's just too all over the place and yeah, not what I expected. Yeah, that's why I kind of like how he does just the MMA uh, the f- uh, format with just MMA, which is cool. Like you said, Stipe on there recently. Um, what I mean, he's got like, eleven hundred episodes, and they're all about three hours long. So it's definitely not something you can really listen to everyone. Um, but I've definitely been some episodes that have been incredible. Um, so that's definitely my favorite best podcast. Nice. Yeah. Steve Hay is, seems like a really cool dude. A terrible interview. Yeah. <laughs> he just has nothing to say. A little bland. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, I have a top 10 for podcasts because I subscribe to 43 podcasts currently. It's all I do at work. Any ch- If I'm mowing the lawn, if I'm delivering the mail, if I'm folding clothes, any chance I can get headphones in ear, podcast going instead of silence, I, I would love to listen to a podcast. Uh, I'd love to watch podcasts like you. It's just, if I'm going to sit down and give like a dedicated time to something on a screen, I'm going to watch a movie or a television series or play a video game, you know? So yeah. I try to use podcast as... Like uh, background music, but background music that I'm paying attention to more than whatever I'm doing. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've listened to like a few like murder mystery style podcasts, but I always seem to like fall off by the by the end because they're like in episode formats, and I never seem to get all the way through. Wow, what a tease! I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just have no clue what the end result was. Usually, I'll just Google it, figure it out. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> My number 10 is similar to you, the Luke Thomas live chat. Um, I am a huge fan of Luke Thomas. I I understand what you're saying. Uh, He can be very opinionated and I guess pretentious is a word you could use, but I don't know. I I like him. He's one of my favorite uh, journalists out there, at least as far as MMA goes. And I'm kind of a guy who I like to pick like a favorite or a few favorites in a certain field and like just really follow them and what they're doing. So I like that he puts out like Monday morning analyst, Wednesday live chat. He's on the MMA beat. Like he's easy to follow, you know, like that. Yeah. And yes. he gives good opinions yeah. or at least I should say, even when I disagree with him, I can at least follow his thought process and see where he's coming from, which is all I ask for. I don't need to agree with someone to enjoy listening to them. I just need to, respect their opinion and at least see where they're coming from yeah definitely i was gonna say you could definitely group in the monday morning breakdown yeah yeah uh, that's pretty good too yeah. uh all right my number nine is the 32 fans uh football podcast this is kind of um it's not necessarily strictly football but uh it's two guys two friends who Football is the main focus. Uh, Akiva Winokur is... I, kn- I knew of him from 
Rob has a podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, maybe my favorite podcast. We'll see. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, he did. Uh, he was co-host of the Seinfeld podcast on Post Show Recaps, and he's just hilarious and one of my favorite podcasters. And he's with his friend Alexander Chester. They uh, during football season they'll go through the week and they'll give their breakdown, but they'll it's funny about it and they'll have like a little tangents and side conversations and then in the off season they'll do like best tv of the year movies of the year they'll come up with different rankings lists tournaments it's just a really fun show weekly show uh centered around sports mostly nice. uh, number eight would be a storm of spoilers which is again it's kind of a trend so far it started off as a game of thrones spoiler podcast uh, as a book reader, I was into into that, seeing what they thought about the differences between the show and the book and all that. And then they also started to uh, shift away during the off-season. Whenever Game of Thrones wasn't on, they would still come out once a week and go through spoilers of other things. Like, uh, they'll do mailbag episodes, or if like a comic book movie comes out, they'll review that movie and talk about the spoilers for that, and what they know of what's coming next and the MCU, yada, yada, yada. Uh, really great stuff. Dave Gonzalez, Joanna Robinson, and Neil Miller. Great podcasters. Great podcast. Nice. Number seven is the Slash Filmcast, a uh, movie podcast hosted by David Chen, who I believe is either the best or second best podcast host around, or at least that I've heard. Uh, really great voice for it charismatic knows how to lead the way entertaining uh, the reason this is actually a little bit lower than i would have liked to have had it is he went on like a hiatus for two or three months towards the end of the year and still liked the other guys jeff canada and davindra hardwar but it just was not the same show without him leading the way uh so that's why that dipped to seven uh number six is a spinoff of Rob Has a Podcast as well. It's The Terran Show, which is probably the best new podcast for me personally this year. It, uh, <laughs> it's like WTF with Mark Marin. You know that podcast? Yeah. Okay. I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, where he interviews like uh, comedians and other entertainment industry people. Well, The Terran Show is, he does like those deep dive interviews but with like reality TV contestants and other podcasters. So it's really insular. It's like uh, almost meta in a way, but I'm into yeah. that world. So I like, you know, diving deep into that kind of stuff. So that's pretty cool. Uh, number five for me is the DLC podcast uh, hosted by Jeff Kanata, who is on the Slash Filmcast. This is a video game podcast he hosts with Christian Spicer. They just, uh, it's really upbeat, entertaining, it's got a great energy to it, uh, keeps you up to date with the news, and, uh, they talk about what they're playing, uh, I don't know, it's just a great format, hour and a half, like, I would definitely, uh, recommend that if you're into video games and need a podcast to listen to. Uh, number four is, uh, Crime Town, which is an interesting one. This is like, uh, it's like Serial. Do you remember how, when that was popular, the Serial podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is kind of along the same lines that it's really well produced. It's like 
almost like a documentary, but just in audio form. Uh, the first season focused on Buddy Cianci, this uh, this uh, like uh, mayor. I think he was the mayor of Providence, something like that, in uh, Rhode Island, and uh, his ties to the mob. And basically, it goes through all these side stories, and it's just really well done, really interesting stuff. One of the few, like I typically prefer, just like a a laid back podcast where it's just conversational and not super produced. But this one was so well done that I had to include it. My number three is the MMA beat. Uh, you talked about it. Uh, you did a great job explaining why it's so good. Uh, Ariel Hawani hosts. You got Luke Thomas, Jeff Wagenheim, and Chuck Minenhall. Occasional guest appearances from others like Danny Segura. Uh, yeah, great stuff. The best MMA, my favorite MMA podcast to listen to because it's shorter, uh, and it they do a great job it's of analyzing more it. direct and to the point. Yeah, and they they have a great chemistry, bounce off each other, uh, really leads to good discussions. My number two is Film Junk, which is my favorite movie podcast. Um, just uh, absolutely hilarious. They have a dry sense of humor, very kind of, um, drawl. It's, uh, it was when I first started listening to podcasts about six or seven years ago, I, I started listening to like four or five movie podcasts. And this was my least favorite of the bunch. Uh, I just thought they were kind of boring. I couldn't tell their voices apart, but every week I started liking it more and more as I got to know the, the guys and, and now it's just by far my favorite, and I can't believe I ever thought negatively of it at all. Um, hilarious. Uh, they just had a great episode this week recapping their best of the year, and it's amazing. Um, highly recommend it, but it's a slow burn. Give it some time. It'll grow on you. <laughs> and my number one is Rob has a podcast for probably, what, I don't know, third year in a row. Ever since we started doing this category, it's just so well done. Rob Sisternino does an incredible job of following the Survivor Big Brother reality stuff. Um, puts out like four or five shows a week. Always a high quality. Always, always the first thing I want to listen to when I'm on my way to work and need to pick something to to listen to to start the day. So yeah, he even traveled to see that, right? Yeah. Went to the live show this past March. Uh, had a great time. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, great awesome. community around there. So can't be denied. All right. Let's well, That was, we're on a <laughs> record setting pace and yeah, great transitions. Uh, let's move on to another thing that we barely talk about, but want to get out there. Best, what else we read? If there's any books or comic books out there, I'll start this one off. I'll be fast. Um, there was a period in the summer when I got really into digital comic books and I started catching up on old stuff that I missed out on or or whatever. So uh, catching up on some of my favorite comic book writers from the past, newer stuff. And I've talked about this extensively on the podcast over the said summer. But my number five would be Velvet, the Ed Brubaker spy comic book. Number four, The Fade Out. Again, Ed Brubaker. Um, uh, which one was that? I think that was the Hollywood kind of um, film noir type thing. It was really good. 
Number three, Fatal, um, another uh, noir type story. Uh, number two, The Walking Dead comic book. The show I could care less if I saw another <laughs> episode. Like it, it started off okay, it had its moments, and it's not terrible, I guess. But the comic book is just another level. I read, I want to, I want to say it was a hundred and seventy some issues in like two weeks and uh yeah i just got lost in that world binged the shit out of it and uh loved it uh so much better than this the television series i don't know what is lost in translation translation there but is it more of like a graphic novel or is it a comic it's a comic book but i they put them together um like uh i read it basically they stitched like uh a graphic novel of issues one through six and basically i don't know it's it's a it's a regular monthly comic book that's been going okay. on for a super long time but uh yeah man that that comic book is is amazing um but my number one is saga written by brian k vaughn uh hard to really explain other than it's freaking amazing it's epic it's incredible it's a uh, it's great art style it's basically these two like different uh races of humanoid people like one of them is they're called moonies they live uh i can't remember which is which but there's like they're not exactly human but it's like a sci-fi thing i, I it's been a while since i read it but it's still going on it's absolutely phenomenal. Brian K. Vaughn, best writer out there. Go check it out. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, so I got a top three here. Did Edgar not have anything for this? No, he did not. Okay. Um, probably something James Bondy. Yeah, I would have seen that. He's a freak with that. But, yeah. um, uh, my number three is GSP's biography, I guess it would be. Um, it's really good if anybody is into MMA or GSP or anything in that sense. I would definitely recommend reading it. It's told from like four or five perspectives, like his coach and nice. uh, his parents and stuff. It's really good. It's a great read. It's very easy to read. It's very well written and uh, edited and put together. Uh, I thoroughly, I think I've read it two or three times. So uh, it's definitely up there. Bob got me Conor McGregor's book. I still have to read it, so maybe that'll... Uh, overtake it, but for now it's GSP. Uh, 2018 awards. Yeah, right. My number two is going to be Go Ask Alice. It's a uh, it's a book, I believe it came out in like the 70s. I could be wrong about that, but it's a book basically told in like diary form about this girl. It's supposed to be like uh, anonymous. You don't really know who the girl is, but she tells a story about uh, like the late 60s, early 70s getting addicted to drugs and all kinds of turmoil, but it's an incredible story. The first time I read it, I was blown away. I've probably written it, read it three or four times by now. Um, it's more of probably like a teen, teenage book story, but I still think the story is uh, definitely worth noting and reading. I don't know if an older person would be quite as into it as I was when I first, but uh, yeah. Cool. But my number one is definitely my all-time favorite book it's incredible i've read it at least six times i would say it's night by ellie wiesel you ever heard of it no 
I think I read it first in seventh or eighth grade, maybe ninth grade. I can't remember, but it's a uh, it's a true story. It's Ellie Wiesel. He's a Holocaust survivor. Um, it's just told. It's basically him retelling his uh, experiences with getting put in the ghettos and then getting taken to. I think he was at Birkenau, which was like one of the death camps uh, during the Holocaust. Uh-huh. I think it was in Poland, I believe. But uh, it's, I mean, it's incredibly moving. It's so well written. Um, it's brutal at times. It's so sad at times. One of the best stories I've ever written, uh, read and keeps saying written. You wrote it? <laughs> but uh, I think Ellie Wiesel passed away this year. He's, I mean, he's won a Nobel Peace Prize. He's wow. an incredible human being. He's written a lot of books, but uh, Night, by far, my favorite uh, story I've ever written. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know how to speak. It's okay. We are learning on the fly here. No, I uh, I love reading. I just never do it enough anymore. I might have to tr- – one day I want to try to get into like audiobooks maybe, but even then yeah. that's going to take away from podcast time. So it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. But uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, all right. Let's get into the video game section. Let's start with the best what else we played games released prior to 2017. Do you have anything? Uh, yeah, I got a top three. All right, um, let's hear this shit. All right, uh, number three started off. I talked with it, talked about it a few times. I believe Mad Max, the video game that came out, I guess with the movie. Um, it's very fun. I didn't expect it to be nearly as good as it is. It's really, it's kind of like an open world. You build like a car together and go kill people and take over shit. Um, but it's very <laughs> addicting. I enjoy playing it a lot. Pretty much uh, what I would expect it to be. Yeah, but it, I just wasn't expecting it to oh, play yeah. as well and be as addicting as it is. Is it like GTA or, in a post-apocalyptic world? In a sense, yeah. Yeah. More, more definitely in that world. Nice. Not like quite as real life, but yeah. Um. My number two is a blast from the past, and I think Edgar probably would appreciate it. N64, 007, GoldenEye. Yeah, I wonder if you ever played that classic, classic game. Paintball mode. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, the career mode was awesome. The story, whatever you'd call no, it. No, it wasn't. I mean, huh? No, it wasn't. It was all about multiplayer, yo. No, I mean, multiplayer was the shit, too. That's what really kicked off with the split-screen playing. and Yeah. I don't know how many hours we played Four people on a tiny TV screen. Oh, yeah. N64, baby. Yeah. But uh, I, I thought the story was great because it follows the movie, which is one of my favorite movies ever, pretty well, with the level designs and the way things turned out. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite games ever, so had to be on there. Yeah. And uh, my number one is Battlefield 1, uh, Battlefield game based on World War One. I. I thought it was way better than the new Call of Duty World War Two game. Um, the career mode is incredible. The stories, the way they put them together, and the way the game plays is, I mean, f- phenomenal. <laughs> I love... blows... Oh, sorry. Good. It blows the Call of Duty story, the World War II story, out of the water. Um, and online is online. Battlefield is uh, it's it's so great. It's like you play like forty on forty, or it might even be more than that. It's so chaotic. You really feel like you're like in World War One playing online. It's Almost frustrating to an extent. Nice. I just love the idea of career mode. Like, this is your career. You're in a fucking war. This is it. This is <laughs> Story mode. I don't know. Whatever the hell you call it. You know campaign. What I mean? 
campaign. Yeah. yeah, I know. Korea, it's it's all the same. Single player. Yeah. 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 All right, I got a top ten for this as well. I'm a freaking nut job. Uh, number ten <laughs> is Middle Earth: Shadow of Mordor. Uh, I played this through GameFly this year. At some point, I played it for like an hour. Uh, not exactly. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Play your fucking hour. It's in the top ten. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just fucked. I don't have that much time to play. Uh, <laughs> Just got to get full disclosure here. I mean, you can't say I beat the game. Uh, not exactly my cup of tea. It's like a action-y button masher type of thing. Uh, I'm never not the hugest Lord of the Rings guy. I like the movies, but not like over the top. But uh, it is a cool game. Don't get me wrong. If this was in the Game of Thrones like universe, Song of Ice and Fire, I'd be freaking all about it. Um, yeah, so really cool game. Number nine is Not a Hero. It's a little, like, uh, Super Nintendo-style side-scroller, super bloody, like, you're just spraying bullets, taking cover, killing people. Really well done. Uh, Number eight, Limbo. This is from Play Dead Studios. Uh, This was their first game. Uh, You might hear a little bit something about their second game in a little bit. (laughs) But uh, it's a black-and-white story, side-scroller, um... Like a platformer, but so original, so creative. It's no dialogue, no, like, it's basically you're learning how to play and the story on the fly. You just start in the middle of this crazy situation and it's uh, like uh, little puzzles and and stuff like that. It's really creative, really awesome. Highly recommend. My number seven is Hearthstone, which I just recently downloaded again. Uh, it's a game that for like one month of the year, I will just get sucked into and play it nonstop for a month straight and then get burnt out, delete it and not play it again for like a long ass time. But when I'm in it, man, it's, it's so fun. I love the game and I love that it's free. I mean, you can buy packs and whatever and campaigns, but the game itself is I like tra- uh, playing trading card games, I guess. Is that what they're called? But uh, this is the best of the best. It's hard to really go with any other one. Have you ever played it? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> number six. <clears throat> oh, my God. I'm dying. Jesus. My number, six, my number six <laughs> is uh, World of Mixed Martial Arts 4. This is a computer game that I've told you about. A few times, I believe. Yeah. It's basically like out-of-the-park baseball. It's a complete simulation. There's no actual like gameplay. You're just like managing. Uh, well, I, in my case, I download like, modern rosters, and, and I manage the uh, UFC, do the matchmaking, you know, follow the champions, and do like re- the reality. Anything you can think of, it's here. And, man, that's another game where... I don't fall off of it for as long as Hearthstone. It's like, but it's similar in where I'll get obsessed with it for a few weeks, and then I'll just play a long time through this game world. Then I'll stop for a while. Then I'll yeah. download the latest update for the roster, start over again, get obsessed with it, rinse and repeat, like every mm, three months or so. So, yeah. and uh, the new one, World of Mixed Martial Arts Five. 
is coming out in January this month. So definitely going to be getting that and uh, taking a peek. I'm sure you'll hear more about it as I talk about it. Number five, <laughs> Stardew Valley. This is uh, a game that definitely surprised me. I kept hearing good things about it. I had no idea what it was based off of the, the title, but I just kept hearing Stardew Valley is great. Stardew Valley is so amazing. And I knew it had like Super Nintendo style graphics. <clears throat> it was like an indie PlayStation Network type game. I thought it was like a RPG or something. So when I got it from Gamefly and I put it in and I realized it's like a farming simulator. Like a, it's like a Harvest Moon type game where you're this kid who inherits a farm that's been overgrown with bushes and you gotta like cut away all the debris and, the, and chop the stones and plant your your uh, your uh, crops and sell them and try to form relationships with the people in the town. Like, I loved it. It's so true. Like, just a really great passive game like that. It also has other elements as well, but that's like my favorite style of game right now is like super simple visually, seemingly like playing-wise but then there's like so much more to it that unfolds as you go on. Like that's, I'll talk about more of that in a little bit. But my number four is Ori and the Blind Forest, which is what actually got me back into video games. Um, I was in GameStop at Hartford in, in the mall while my wife was shopping. I think it was like either Christmas shopping or maybe like after Christmas shopping. But I'm like, I'm just going to just chill in GameStop, play this game for a little bit, if you don't mind. Started playing it. I played the the whole demo. I finished the demo. Freaking loved the game. It was like, I'm getting, I've got to find a way to get uh, an Xbox or a PlayStation 4. And I get a PlayStation 4, and then I realize, oh, Ori is exclusive to... Xbox. That's a <laughs> great choice. And of course it turns out uh, a year later basically that it's like the only exclusive Xbox game for the past three years, right? Because that's like their thing. They don't have good exclusive games. And uh, So I, I got it on Steam. Played it on the PC. I haven't finished it. I think I'm like halfway through, but it's an amazing platformer. Uh, beautiful visually. Great uh, skill tree. It's... it's I can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, my number three is Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. This was the game that came with the PS4. I bought the, the Uncharted bundle. And, uh, yeah, what a way to reintroduce myself to the video game world after, like, seven or eight years off. Because this game is like a freaking blockbuster movie with set pieces at every turn, left and right. It's it's amazing. Graphically, incredible. Naughty Dog is so good at just freaking adventure and gameplay and ah, can't recommend it highly enough. It's basically like you're playing Indiana Jones for 15 yeah. hours and it's it's amazing. It's one of yeah, I like, heard great things about. They're definitely my favorite developer at this point. Like any game they put out, I will buy it and I will play it to completion. Uh, and I I've like never been someone that's like great at finishing games beating games like it's rare but their games you got to see them through to the end speaking yeah. of their games my number two is the last of us i played the the remastered version i bought it on sale on playstation network 
at some point over the summer, like right after, no, maybe it was earlier than uh, the summer because it was like pretty close to when I finished Uncharted 4 and I started The Last of Us right up because I knew it was made by the same people, considered one of the best games ever made, but it's more of like a zombie survival horror game. And for whatever reason, just the pacing is so different from Uncharted that it threw me off a bit. So I played it for like an hour and then kind of sat it down and said, I'll come back to this. Uh, and then when I finally did, months later, almost by accident, just like trying to show someone like the graphics of a PlayStation 4, I guess got sucked right back in and I played it nonstop for the rest of the week and, and finished the game and it's... It's absolutely sensational. One of the best games ever made. And yet, it's only my number two. I definitely need to play that. <laughs> yes, you really do. And But my number one, which, again, has to be one of the best games ever made. It's Play Dead Studios' sequel to Limbo. It's Inside. It's very similar to Limbo, except graphically way better i think the puzzles and the the gameplay is smoother and more innovative the story is way better in my opinion it's again it's you're dropped in you're this like kid who's on the run and you're just immediately like that's the game it starts you're on the run and you just go to the scroll to the right figure out how to get from like situation to situation and survive and it's basically this super not super long because the game's only like a few hours i want to say but it's just a long chase scene, and where it goes is just, like, insane in the best ways. And uh, proof that indie games can be just as good as, like, the biggest of the budget blockbusters. Yeah, definitely. All right. Let's get to video game of the year. Video games released in 2017. And we will kick off this category with email from Edgar Schaput. He says, Star Wars Battlefront 2 is my pick, and it's also the worst. It's the only game I played. Bought it, <laughs> bought it for my little brother for Christmas. Did you know you had to play this thing for 30 minutes What loads the rest of the game? When it was done loading, we couldn't even play the Battle of Hoth. Fuck this game. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've heard, like, I've heard mixed things about Battlefront 2 where, like, there was the whole microtransaction controversy. It is legendary with that. Yeah. But I heard it's actually like a, the core game is pretty fun when you get down to it, but I've never played one of them. I played the first one for like 10 minutes. And oh, yeah. It's like Star Wars with the Battlefield engine, basically. Sounds fun. I mean, I'd like to give it a shot one time. Yeah. But uh, you want to kick us off with... Yeah. Um, what do I got? I got four here. Four? All right. Not bad, not bad. So, uh, where should I start? Oh, Destiny 2 is going to be my number four. Nice. Um, I played it for a few hours. Um, it's. I think we've talked about it a few times before. It's very similar to Halo, almost exactly, besides yes. the fact that it's a little more RPG to it. Yeah. Skill trees, stuff like that, uh, which isn't my real type of game. Uh, it's definitely liked the story and the cutscenes look phenomenal um but after about probably three or four hours of playing it i was done i had a friend that i was playing with online which made it a lot more fun and then we kind of fell off playing it together so i just wasn't into playing it by myself yeah uh, i hear that but it's definitely good and i can see a lot of people really love it yeah um, i played it like i i had to buy one or rent one uh rent one free from Redbox, and i 
Granted, Call of Duty World War II and Destiny 2 at the same time. Played way more of Call of Duty. Just did not play enough of Destiny 2 to really get a real opinion of it. Yeah, uh, I guess I should mention Call of Duty World War II. I played it over at Jesse's house. I played the story mode, and it was just so cliche. Yeah. It was, it, like, it was almost cringy to me. But like every World War Two movie's the biggest cliche taken of every movie they've ever made and put into a story mode. It's so, true. It's true. I didn't didn't really enjoy it. But uh, so number three is Gone Home. Now I believe this game originally came out before 2017, but they released it on Xbox. Okay. Uh, and it's kind of like I guess you would call it an indie game. Yeah, like uh, they call these walking simulators, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I got it for like free with xbox uh gold type of things i played it and it's not not a very long game at all but i thought the story was incredible it's basically you know you show up to an empty house and you have to find stuff like clues and walk through and put the story together and play cutscenes throughout and i thought the story was incredible it really wasn't what i was expecting and it blew me away um yeah i'm interested in those kinds of games because action I'm not in video games for the action. Uh, I'm the yeah. rare person that is like that. But uh, uh, that's why I bought What Remains of Edith Fitch which on Steam, which I haven't played it yet, but it's kind of a similar thing, getting rave reviews. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be like a horror game because that was just the vibe <laughs> I got from like the cover and like the first minute or so. But um, I, mean, I guess there's a little bit of creepiness to it, but it really isn't like a horror game. Gotcha. <laughs> Speaking of horror games, my number two, while I didn't beat it, is the fucking scariest game I've ever played of all time, Resident Evil 7. Oh, yeah. It is fucking terrifying. I watched Dave play this game more than I actually played it. I played, like, the demo, I think, the preview, whatever. That's enough, man. Yeah. But it's almost one of those games where I like watching it better because I'm, like, almost too scared to play it. Yes, definitely. I I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but... I mean, that is a game, that's the thing with video games, like, horror video games scare me more than, like, a movie would, because I feel like I'm in this situation, you know, yeah. they really put you in that, and I can't even imagine playing it in VR, but I, this was one of the first games I played when I got to PlayStation 4 as well, because I rented it from Chris, who has been a, a guest on this podcast, and I, for some reason, I decided to throw it on 6 o'clock in the morning, when I got up with my son, and uh, wow, yeah, I could not. I tried my best to play as long as possible. 20, 30 minutes, I was like, nope, not happening. I mean, it's there's some scary fucking parts when you're trying to escape from, like, the old lady and shit. It's just so fucking Dude, scary. Never, I, never, I never even encountered anybody. I didn't get that far. I just could not. Yeah. Like, the, the dread of, oh, my gosh, someone's going to pop out of me. I couldn't do it. Yeah, it's it's scary as shit. But uh, <laughs> yes, that was my number two. Um, my number one is the nerd in me, or I guess what I'm a nerd about is Formula One 2017. <laughs> uh, I played every Formula One game since like 2009, I think. Um, I used to have like a steering wheel and set it up like I was in a car and do all that shit. I don't do that anymore, but I will have to say that Formula One 2017 is definitely the best game they've made. Uh, Codemasters makes it. Uh, they do a great job with racing games. 2016 was like <laughs> a relabeled 2015, and people were really upset, me included. And they uh, definitely did the series justice and 
put a nice career mode back in and the physics, the way the game is played. I mean, you can watch videos online of like uh, side by side real racing video compared to the game and it's like fucking identical nice so uh for like an f1 enthusiast like me it's an incredible game and that's why it's my favorite of the year awesome let's talk about my i swear not every category i have a top 10 but (laughs) (laughs) i do have a top 10 for this i'll be quick through the bottom half uh number 10 madden 2018 yeah i'm sure it's not much different than the previous entries but again i haven't played one in seven or eight years so as a reintroduction to the franchise, thought it was really well done, at least the core game. I've talked about how the single player was a complete bomb and I hated it, but, I mean, that's not what you buy Madden for, that's just like a bonus. So, uh, yeah, the core game, still fun, still have a franchise going, uh, pop it on when I have, you know, some time every once in a while. Yeah. Number nine, Near Autonoma. Again, this is a Gamefly game. Did not nearly play enough to really have a firm opinion on it. It's got rave reviews. Liked what I saw. It's kind of like a an action RPG type thing, but constantly shifting uh, like perspectives. Like you start off and it's like a shooter, like a top down shooter. Then it's a left to right like side scrolling shooter. Then it's like a, you're walking around with the sword, killing people and it's just like really, really uh, got a lot of levels to it, and uh, I like that about it. But I didn't play it enough. So, number eight, Call of Duty World War Two. You're completely right. It is super cliche. Uh, you know, I think that's what they were going for. They were just doing like a greatest hits of a of a game. But I'm kind of with you. I played. I want to say the first three levels of the campaign, and. Uh, it's fun. I mean, it shoots. It plays well. Like it's a. It's a good shooter. It's got great graphics. It's got some cool yeah. set piece type stuff to it. But yeah, I didn't. I wasn't in love with it. It's nowhere modern warfare or anything like that. So yeah, I thought I was frustrated. Like uh, the first level on the beach. It's so hard to get off the beach. Um, and there's some like I was playing it with Jesse, who had beaten it. And there'd be like parts where you'd be like you don't even have to worry about shooting these people. You just have to like run. So I was just frustrated with like moments like that. And like we said, the story was just too yeah too cliche. Yeah, yeah, that's the worst part of it for me. It was more of like the uh, the actual gameplay. Like there's a sniper part that I thought was pretty cool. And it has its moments, but it's yeah. I guess it's definitely better than like the Infinite Warfare and like the super like futuristic stuff that they had been coming out with. Yeah, definitely. My number seven is Horizon Zero Dawn. I played like a decent chunk of this game. I want to say like four or five hours. Hardly cracked into it. It's one of these super long open world games that I just am never going to have the time to put into it. Like, even though Uncharted 4 is like 15 hours, like, at least I know there's a set end point to it. For even if... uh, Horizon Zero Dawn was only 40 hours to beat. Like, to me, that just seems, especially the style of game it is, that that just seems like it's insurmountable. It's probably why I'll never play Breath of the Wild, or at least <laughs> if I do, like, I'll never come close to finishing it, because it's just too daunting for me. I, I prefer short games, or at least games that, I don't know, that aren't so overwhelming. Yeah, I'm but a, Super cool game. Uh, combat system was great. Love the... The concept, the uh, the ideas, and 
of like the animals. It's like a futuristic, prehistoric mix uh, with robot animals and stuff like that. Really cool. Uh, really cool game. If you're into open world games, it's great. But uh, I'm not as much. <laughs> My number six is Fortnite Battle Royale. Uh, this was a, it's a free game. Someone, uh, Chris again, was like, dude, you should download Fortnite. It's free. Uh, it's like uh, PUBG, but more cartoony. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Uh, and that consumed me for about a week or two. Um, it's 100 people jump out of, out of the sky, and last one standing wins. Battle Royale, just like, you know, Hunger Games, whatever. Uh, cartoony style, but super fun. I am terrible at it, at least as far as the com- combat goes. I've only ever killed... I've probably played like 10 games of it, maybe. 10 to 12. I only killed one person in my entire time <laughs> playing, but I did get third place twice and fifth place once just possible? by hiding out and like strategically like advancing with the, the, uh, the thing that kind of closes in on you to yeah. make sure you're getting a, a smaller and smaller area as time goes on. Just, I had the strategy down, just not the skills to finish the job. So, But it is a fun experience. Number five, MLB The Show 17. I, oh God, me and you, how many different baseball franchises and games have we played? Uh, high Heat. High Heat, yeah. Uh, I feel <laughs> I like... a lot. Yeah, what was the old ESPN one? Triple Play? Triple Play. Even the beginnings of the show, I feel like we were into, but yeah. uh, it's just a great franchise. And again, since I've been out of the loop for seven or eight years, had to buy the newest iteration. Graphics are insane. The game is... It's an amazing game. Flat out. Like, so many different modes to it. It's its incredible. It's just... There's a, you know, you create your own character, you get drafted, you start in the minor leagues, work your way up. That's amazing, too. No complaints about the game whatsoever, other than as soon as the Orioles weren't kicking ass, uh, I was, like, not as motivated to get into it. And I haven't played it in a while. And, you know, I was at GameStop the other day. Just uh, traded in Uncharted 4 and got $3 for it. Uh, (laughs) And I bought, like, a case for my Switch, but... Um, what the hell was I going to say? Oh, MLB The Show 17. Uh, it's like $15 now. So now I know. <laughs> Whenever, I'll just wait until, like, uh, like, sports games really, fall, their value really falls off fast. So They'd probably give you 50 cents. Yeah, I'm never going to buy, I uh, can't say never, but I'm going to try to never buy a sports game right when it comes out, uh, if I can help it, because, man... They really go on sale very fast. Yeah. My number four. We're getting into Nintendo Switch territory. I got one for uh, Christmas. My dad was kind enough to give me some cash flow for Christmas, and I decided to put it towards a Nintendo Switch, and I got a couple games. And my first one that is appearing here is Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Uh... This is a very interesting game. It's like an XCOM-type strategy uh, game, if you know what that is, and except with Mario and Rabbids characters, and it's I've got decent amount into it. I probably played it for two or three hours. I, I really I like strategy games. I'm not amazing at them, but 
I think they're fun. I always like the Advance Wars and Fire Emblem. And uh, so far, so good here. I can't wait to play more of it, but I like how each character has their own unique abilities and just seems I can see the game is going to go in a direction that I'm going to like, uh, and I'll report back the more I play of it. Oh, also, I bought Stardew Valley uh, for $15 on the Switch as well. I uh, originally played that for PlayStation 4, so it'd be nice to have that on a handheld type system. Yeah. My number three, yeah, I wish I could make it my number one, but it's just, it's hard to do so with the competition, but my number three is Golf Story. This is a Nintendo Switch uh, indie game, uh, $15. I don't know if it's like uh, exclusive to the Switch, but it's an indie game that's available for 15 bucks on there. It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. It's what, until the last couple days when I uh, really dug into my number one, I, uh, this is all I was playing every chance I got. It's basically like Mario Golf plus Pokemon, if that sounds appealing to you. <laughs> I mean, I like golf, but... Uh, and it, just like Pokemon in the sense that it's like uh, a quirky story where you're kind of uh, walking around and doing little battles, except the battles are like little contests of golf. Like, uh, you got to chip onto the screen a certain way and and then challenge people to like a, a nine-hole course. Like, it's super fun. It's, again, kind of like Stardew Valley. It's, like, super simple controls and, and visual style, but the more you get into it, like, it level you level up. You're dry, you can, like, increase your drive distance and get new clubs, and it's awesome. It's really, really nice. cool. Highly recommend it for anyone. Yeah, I'll play that. Yeah. Number two is Uncharted The Lost Legacy, which... Is the I think it was originally supposed to be downloadable content additional for Uncharted 4, but then it kind of expanded enough where they said they felt like it could stand on its own. It's it was only forty bucks. It was a, a side story with Chloe and gosh I can't remember the other girl's name, but uh, I think it's the first Uncharted game where you're not playing as Nathan Drake. Uh, but it yeah, that doesn't affect it at all. Uh, still is a same style of play, uh, same great set pieces and visuals and story. Uh, the only reason I don't love it as much as Uncharted 4, um, actually, it's only like seven or eight hours long. Finished it in like one or two sittings. I don't mind that. I don't mind short games at all. I don't need a game to be long to be enjoyable. In fact, I might like it better if I can actually get like I feel more accomplished if I could actually finish the game and it's short. As long as it's packing a punch and fun the whole time, I'm fine with it. And that's what this was. Uh, the only thing was there was this one part of the game where it kind of got away from what I love about Uncharted and it became more of an open world, like a mini open world, but open world nonetheless. And that part kind of dragged a little bit, but overall can't complain. Loved it. But, finally, my number one video game of the year. The game I've put five hours into in the last two days alone. Mar <laughs> Mario Odyssey, baby. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. You were in Mario 64, right? Oh, yeah. This is basically 
Mario 64 plus Mario Galaxy with a little bit of classic Mario sprinkled in. Nice. It's there's you travel to a bunch of different worlds. It's very feels very Mario 64 just like you're running around and you're just trying to collect all these moons basically. But instead of like Mario 64 where you would enter a world, get a moon, right? And then it would boot you back out, you'd have to go back in. This is just like constantly you're just in this world and you get a moon and you keep going and apparently there's like a thousand moons in the game. Jesus. Uh, but I, I haven't finished the game yet. Um, just, a, just about to get past New Donk City, which is the one from all the trailers where it looks like New York City, super realistic. Um, I'm sure I probably have about four or five hours left to beat the game. But the cool thing is, from what I understand, is once you get past beating the game and the story, you can pretty much you go back to any of the worlds and try to collect all the moons. So it's like there's still stuff you can do after you finish the game. Yeah. So uh, it's just so creative, all the different worlds. You throw your hat, you take over different creatures and different items and do different things. You can change your outfit. I just purchased the infamous swim trunks where <laughs> Mario is shirtless and you can see his nipples. Uh, I'm rocking that right now with the pilot hat on. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> Seriously, I can't believe I waited so long to get a Nintendo Switch. It's I haven't touched my PlayStation 4 since I got it. It's it's amazing. And in fact, I got it the day after Christmas. And yet last night before bed was the first time I ever played it hooked up to the TV. Like, really? Yeah, I was just playing it handheld because it's like the best handheld ever made. And I'm like, let me just try this on TV. Put Mario on the TV a little bit. A lot of fun. I mean, it holds up. <laughs> holds up on TV. Then I took the controllers off the sides. I threw one to Sam. We played. We got one moon working together. And she's like, I'm done. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oh, God. Can't recommend Nintendo Switch enough. Might be one of my favorite consoles of all time once it's all said and done. Yeah, it's definitely a great concept. And a little bit I played it, it's fun. Alright, let that's enough for video games. Only two categories this year. Like I said, we'll probably try to include more next year. But let's move on to the TV uh, <laughs> categories. There's the two of those as well. We'll start off with Best Television Show of the Year. And Edgar, let's throw it to you. I was going to try to do an impression of him. <laughs> that would be... I, I don't know. That would be tough. That would be tough. It's been a while since I heard his voice, so I don't know if I could pull it off. Season 4 of Brooklyn Nine-Nine wins by default because it's the only show I watched. I mean, it's the best show. <laughs> so, there's that. Uh, did you have a choice? Me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm almost uh, in the same boat as him. I'm trying to think of TV, uh, at least that have come out this year that I watched. I was, I'm in the same boat where I was like, man, I really didn't watch much new TV, but I got three here. Um, pretty standard, except for my number three uh, is the Vietnam War. I think PBS made it. I watched it online, so I'm pretty sure oh, it was yeah. PBS. Yeah, it I've was heard it. incredible. Yeah. I heard it was good. Yeah, it's a 10-part series uh, about the Vietnam War. Um, very well made. I love uh, shows like that. 
um, documentary type sense. Uh, just great all around. If you're into, if you're like a history buff, I would definitely recommend watching it. Um, my number two is going to be Stranger Things two. Um, like I said, I think in the, what I had watched this year, I didn't have a lot to choose from. Not that Stranger Things wouldn't have made it, but and by no means was it bad, but it was pretty predictable, kind of like what you would have expected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely, I uh, worthy uh, making my list with the, the limited selection I had. Um, and number one, I feel like is uh, all around winner, uh, Game of Thrones season seven. Nice, nice. Basically, fucking incredible. Yeah, I'll get into I thought. It. I mean, it was a little slow start, but I thought it ended well and set up the. <laughs> set up the end pretty good I have reverse opinion I feel like it started off like gangbusters loving it and then it kind of ended it ended good I'm like I didn't not like the season but the yeah. epi- the last three episodes I had some plotting issues with but still a great show yeah okay that's it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Stranger Things 2 did not make my list um, it was a great year for TV Really was, um, not I, I. We talk. We reviewed Stranger Things too, I believe. If yep. I, I'm not hallucinating, uh, <laughs> uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. But I liked a lot of TV shows this year, starting with my number ten, Atypical. This was the Netflix show about the kid with um, autism. Um, it's a half an hour comedy uh, where it's basically just following this kid. It's touching and funny and, uh, yeah, I uh, can't remember a ton about it uh, off the top of my head, but I do remember enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, Binged it in like a day or two, so that's probably why damn Netflix and your great but stupid uh, way of doing things. Number nine, another Netflix show, Glow. This is uh, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling starring Allison Brie. With Mark Marin as the coach, uh, just thought this was uh, this was a comedy as well. Thought it was uh, really good. Thought it was funny. Atypical was probably funnier, but I think Glow was just a little bit better of a show overall. Uh, number eight, another Netflix. It's a lot of Netflix shows. Ozark, yes. the Jason Bateman Breaking Bad esque drug uh, drama. Had, you didn't see this? Yeah. Thanks for your input. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I did watch watch TV. Yeah. No, I hear you. Uh, this was really, really fun. Uh, I didn't love it as much as some people did, but the first episode is just like an amazing start to a show. And it, it dips a little bit for me, but it was still good. And then it ends really strong. So... Beginning and end were great. I just thought it was just okay kind of in the middle. But it kept me watching, so can't complain too much. Definitely interested to see what they do with uh, Season 2. Number 7 is the latest and newest edition. This was a show that was released on Netflix December 29th, I want to say. And, um, yeah, it's Black Mirror Season 4. Oh, man. I watched a couple episodes this the other day. Yeah, have have you are you caught up on Black Mirror before the new season or I had never even really heard of it and I was at Joel's house um and he we watched the episode uh 
about like it's like the Star Trek esque. Yeah, USS yeah. Callisto or something like that. Yeah, something like that. What did you think? Oh, I thought it was awesome. I thought at first I was like, it seemed like real corny and like weird, but then you understand why. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was uh, very well made and great uh, concept, definitely. Yeah, and that was the best episode of the season in my mind. Uh, but you need to catch up with the show. Me and Joel went on a, we did an episode where we reviewed every episode, uh, seasons one through three. There's not a ton of episodes. Started out only three episodes per season. Then the last two have been six once it's switched to, to Netflix. But there's no continuity to the shows. Like each one is a standalone concept, and uh, for the most part, yeah, they're all amazing. He was telling me about the episode where like the prime minister or something has to like <laughs> fuck a goat or something. Uh, uh, pig, yeah. Uh, yeah, that pig. was the first episode of the show, and yeah, it's one of the lesser episodes, but still crazy and good. Yeah. Uh, but season four, I felt like was not the best season. I thought it was kind of it's kind of weird like season 3 last year I felt like was maybe the best but because it had like a couple just all-time greats episodes in my mind especially San Junipero which might be one of my favorite episodes of television of all time. Uh but this year was more like um I enjoyed all the episodes some more than others, but it was kind of like uh, they were all mid-pack. Like there just wasn't that one that just stood out and blew my mind. But still, greatly enjoyed the season in the show overall. I think it was like my number two or three last year, so kind of a drop down to number seven this year. Still good though. Number six is Game of Thrones. You're number one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the season. Uh, production values, incredible. Uh, I think we did a review episode. I can't remember shit anymore. But uh, <laughs> I, at least, I at least talked about it. Uh, don't need to rehash. Yeah, it was. Uh, I had some issues with it, but God, it's just... It's, what they do is really good. The One of the best episodes, which I'll get to... Wait, yeah, it cracked. Alright, yeah, I'll get to... Uh, one of the best episodes of the of the year, which came from Game of Thrones. Yep. Number five is Big Little Lies. This was a miniseries on HBO until it's it's not a miniseries anymore because they just announced season two is coming. But uh, this was the show with your girl, Shailene Woodley, um, Nicole, yeah. Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon, Laura Dern, about uh, the new girl in town at a rich, like... Uh, neighborhood and her kid gets accused of hitting another kid in class and the drama that follows from that there's a murder in the first episode and you don't find out who it is till the end sounds like a lot of hokey cheesy stuff that could be done poorly but in fact it was not it was done incredibly well and uh, uh, a great show that people should catch up on in time for season two whenever that comes out yeah I'll definitely check that out <laughs> I wonder why Number four, <laughs> number four is Better Call Saul, season three. Um, I feel like this show just gets better and better every season. Um, it's obviously a spinoff of Breaking Bad, probably my favorite show of all time. It's nothing like Breaking Bad. It's more of a comedy. It's more loose, but kind of like Breaking Bad. It started off where I didn't love it in the beginning. 
Um, a prequel, prequel, prequel. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It is a prequel. And a sequel at the same time. Not really. But uh, you haven't seen it? Uh, it's all about the first three or four episodes, but I've never even seen Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. Well, you're insane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, it Breaking Bad was a slow burn where each season I was more and more into it and thought it got better and better. It's so far the same thing with Better Call Saul. Must be just the way Vince Gilligan works. Uh, and I thought season one was great, but season two was even better. And I thought season three was even better than that. Absolutely cannot wait for season four. Number three for me is 13 Reasons Why. This was, oh, I totally forgot about that. Oh, you saw it? Yeah. I thought it was a incredibly well done show. Yeah, on Netflix. I agree. And actually, this was one where people were raving, raving about it. And uh, they were that so raving about it. And I want to say, what, three or four episodes in, I'm like, I don't know, man. This is kind of cheesy. I don't like, uh, like, I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it. But then it hits about episode five or six, and it kind of clicked. And, like, it it just was uh, from, like, the second half is some of the most powerful form of television that you could ever find. Like, it's hard to watch, for sure. Like, for just, like, terrible things happening to people and and not shying away from showing exactly what is going on, which is, yeah. I think, commendable. Like, uh, I think that was a good choice, as hard as it could be. But, yeah, just a, a great show. Really powerful. I think this is actually getting a season two as well, which I yeah, don't it know. Is, yeah. I don't know how they're going to top it, but... For, yeah. for me, it was like almost like the Stranger Things effect with the first season. Everybody was raving about it. I didn't even really know what it was. Um, and then, like you said, it took a little while for Thirteen Reasons to set in. But uh, like you know, Stranger Things grabbed me as soon as I watched it. And yeah. I saw everybody talking about this on social media, so I checked it out. And I liked it from the start. Um, of course, it does get really intense mid. Uh, mid-season, I guess, but I liked it from the start. I liked the way it was put together. You know uh, what it was? Was, I, I don't know, I, like, I like the actor that plays the main kid. I've seen him in other things, like, it was actually in Goosebumps, uh, the movie with Jack Black. But for some reason, like, his acting style, and maybe even the main girls, and I think it might have been, like, her accent, trying to hide her yeah. accent, maybe that was throwing me off. I don't know, something wasn't clicking early on, but I caught on eventually. I don't know if it, the show got better or if it was just me kind of getting in, in step with it. But Yeah. Either way, it's a great show. Definitely, definitely. Uh, number two for me, Master of None, the Aziz Ansari Netflix show. Um, God, season two of this show is one of the best seasons of a comedy series of all time. I mean, of course, it could be hyperbole. I'm sure I probably say this every year about something. But <laughs> I mean, truly sensational. And it's not just like it's laugh out loud, hysterical. The guy is, he's so incredible at putting, like some of these episodes, like the Thanksgiving episode, the, uh, shoot, the one episode where he's barely even in it. If I was just like these three random people from New York, uh, the season two premiere where it's all in black and white and, it's like a parody of uh, Bicycle Thieves. Um, it's incredible. I went on to the Screen Verdict podcast and reviewed the season, if you want to hear my thoughts in more detail. But Aziz Ansari, I think he won a Golden Globe. Uh, could be wrong, but I thought he won a Golden Globe uh, 
this past weekend. And if he did, much deserved. God, incredible, incredible season of television. But it's not number one. Because the best television show of 2017, and maybe it's in my uh, Mount Rushmore of television shows ever, uh, with Lost, Breaking Bad, and something else. It's The Leftovers. HBO's The Leftovers. Just incredible. Um, Season 2 of The Leftovers is my favorite season of television of all time. And coming to follow that up with what they did in Season 3, which, I mean, I still prefer Season 2, but Season 3 of The Leftovers is the best final season the best final episode of a TV show ever. I mean, you cannot end a show more perfectly, especially a show like this that has so many big questions and huge... Uh, I don't know. It's such a big concept. And to wrap it up the way they did, especially when it's the same guy that did Lost and people complain so bad about how Lost ended because they left so many things open-ended and... And for him to come back and just completely nail it with the leftovers, it felt so good for him. It felt so good to just freaking see it on unfold before my eyes. Um, God, it's you. People need if people haven't seen it, you have to watch it. It's three seasons, only twenty-seven episodes. Starts off a little slow, but by episode five or six of season one, it's like I kind of put it on Twitter. Starts off in a jog. And by season two, it's a full sprint. In season three, straight up victory lap. <laughs> it, Dave raves about the show. Um, I think I've seen about four or five episodes of season two. Never seen season one. Yeah, you probably could even skip season one. Like, it's not 100% necessary. Yeah, that's what Dave said. But yeah, it would help just to know the characters. But yeah. Yeah. So freaking good. <laughs> Did you like what you saw? Oh, yeah, definitely. It was, uh, I mean, it's like so mysterious, and you just, yeah. it's one of those, it's like a page turner where you just want to keep going to know what happens. 100%. Um, yeah. No doubt about it. Of course it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, let's get to best episode of the year. We'll find, we'll eventually get to movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> best episode of the year. Uh, I guess I'll kick it off. Okay, that's fine. I have a tie at number five. It's a little bit of a cheat, but I had six that I really loved and wanted to get to, so I did it. Uh, first one of the tied for fifth is the Game of Thrones episode I was talking about, The Spoils of War. Uh, this is the episode that had the loot train battle where Danny finally attacks Jamie uh, Lannister and Bronn and God it's incredible. <laughs> Just the what episode number? Uh, I don't know. Was episode four maybe? Three or four? Yeah. yeah okay. uh, spoilers for it's, uh, it's got to be some of the best action on television. Just like this was movie quality stuff on HBO on a Sunday night. Like, And I, I'm pretty sure the rest of the episode was incredible as well. It had some John and Danny interactions and... I'm sure there was more to it, but man, that last 20-minute battle scene was just, like, chill-inducing. So good. Uh, My other tie for number five was episode of Fargo, this season's Fargo. 
season three. It was not my favorite season of Fargo. Uh, I love the show. Still enjoyed it, but obviously didn't make my top ten. So, But there was one episode called The Law of Non-Contradiction, which was kind of like a, a bit of a standalone where it followed the story of this sci-fi writer and his ascent into success and all this stuff. And it also had The Leftovers' Carrie Coon in it as a police officer. And I thought it was just an incredible hour of television. An otherwise kind of forgettable season. Number four, Tape 7, Side A of 13 Reasons Why. Um... Can't really go into 13 Reasons Why I liked it so much because, uh, spoiler alert, but yeah, <laughs> uh, very, like we said, powerful show. This was like the most powerful episode, in my opinion. Uh, number three comes from Better Call Saul. It's the episode Chicanery. This was kind of also like a standalone thing where, uh, I don't, I'm trying not to spoil anything, but basically, uh, Jimmy who is Saul, he and his brother, Chuck, are just at it, going back and forth, and actually, that's basically a whole, the whole episode is a trial, with Chuck leading up to uh, Chuck on the stand, and Jimmy, like, betraying his brother in the biggest way. But just the, the way the episode was set up, and the way it was capped off, was just expert, best episode of the season, One of the best episodes of the year. Number two was the season two premiere of Master of None, The Thief. The one that I said was in black and white and a parody of Bicycle Thieves. uh, The classic French film, which I've actually seen and is a great movie. And this is a great take on it. Uh, I kind of wanted it to be like a two hour long movie instead of just like a 30, 40 minute episode of show. So kudos to you, Aziz. But number one comes from the leftovers of course it was uh not even <laughs> the last two episodes of the leftovers god damn so <laughs> good um the season finale really should be on here as well but i didn't want to put two episodes from the same show so i put the second to last episode which was the most powerful man in the world and his twin brother and it was basically an entire episode of just nonsense but in the greatest way possible, and it's hard to explain it without knowing what's going on, so I won't even try. (laughs) Other than saying it's one of the best episodes of television ever! (laughs) Valiant effort. Um, I suppose it's my turn. Yes. Um, I'm kind of uh, changing you on the fly after you've uh, spiked my memory, (laughs) so I'm going to start off with uh, agreeing with you with my number three, the last episode, uh, 13 Reasons Why. Yeah. Um, like you said, you can't really go into it because it spoils the whole, whole series, but uh, I think it's a good conclusion uh, for sure, and it's uh, powerful, uh, crazy, uh, almost gaspingly crazy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's fucking awesome. Uh, my number two is going to be that episode that we discussed, the Black Mirror uh, it is the only episode I've seen in the TV show, but, like, Joel just put it on so we were just hanging out, like, had nothing to do, and I was the first, like, five minutes in, I was like, why the fuck are we watching the show? <laughs> and sure sure enough, uh, you know, a little bit more into it, and you start to get it and realize what's going on. It's, uh, 
I couldn't stop watching it. You know what I mean? Um, it's very well done. It's great storytelling. Uh, uh, I don't know what else good things I could say about it. It's, it's, it's a, I saw one episode and it makes me want to watch the rest of the show. So I yeah. feel like that's uh, Dude, yeah, good you definitely should binge that shit. And uh, my number one is going to be Game of Thrones episode six. Um, the episode when they're stuck on the island and surrounded Boo. by... Boo. Uh, Boo. <laughs> what? You didn't like it? That was probably my least favorite episode of the season. I loved it. Oh, so much to hate. But definitely some awesome moments as well. We've got the yeah. javelin and the ice and all that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know if I should go into spoilers, but... Nah, probably not. <laughs> Who's going to stop? Yeah. What are you going to do? It's our last episode. We're going to spoil... <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, I, I will say, uh, as soon as he threw the javelin, I knew exactly what the fuck was going to happen. Yeah, I didn't. I did not. Uh, but yeah, that's my top three for best TV episode. Awesome. All right, movie time, baby. This All right. We, this is what we advertise, and here we are an hour and a half in, getting to it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... All right, let's start off with best trailer. This little preview of what's to come. What's your number three or whatever the fuck? Best trailer. Um, I will have to say American Made for number three. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good trailer. Yeah, I mean, the movie probably wasn't as good. Yeah. It's one of those, one of those movies. It wasn't a bad movie at all, but it's one of those movies where they put the best parts in uh, in the trailer. Um, number two, I'm going to go with Spider-Man. It's the amazing Spider-Man. Uh, no. <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming. Homecoming, yeah, I don't know if we made <laughs> in that yeah. or not. Uh, yeah, it definitely got me pumped for the movie. Um, I don't really watch that many trailers, but uh, number one's got to be uh, Star Wars, just because I was yeah. so excited for the movie, two years of waiting, and every uh, glimpse you get of it, it just gets you more pumped. And I guess every like Game of Thrones trailer, like anything I'm super pumped for, once you get the first glimpse, it's true. Trailer. It's true. I mean, that's what it's designed for. I mean, it's not like you're never going to watch a trailer probably for something you're already excited in and be less excited in. Yeah, At least, yeah. unless they really screw the pooch. But, yeah, they can make shit movies look great. Uh, they can make... They do uh, a lot. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, my number five... All right, sorry, Edgar. I did not mean to pass you up like that. Uh, he picked Dunkirk. Is his best trailer, and oh, I. Too. That was a great trailer, actually. Uh, didn't make my list. Probably, I didn't pay as much attention to best trailer uh, throughout the year as I did a lot of the other categories. But my number five is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, uh, the third trailer, as a follow-up to one of my favorite Marvel and comic book movies of all time. I thought uh, they did a great job of getting you excited, getting you back in that that mood. For the the gang, so good job there. I'm all about Marvel and Disney with these trailers. Number four <laughs> is Black Panther, which comes out next month. Um, really surprised that. I mean, I I've always liked Black Panther as a character in the comics, and I thought he was great in Civil War. I just I've never been into like when I like Black Panther in the comics. It's more of just the design of the character and the backstory. Whenever I've tried to get into his solo comics, 
for some reason, I just can't get into it. I like him better when he's like mixed in with the Avengers and team stuff. Yeah. But uh, so I was a little bit worried about the solo movie, but a freaking incredible cast, an incredible director, the guy who directed Creed, um, Ryan Coogler in Fruitvale Station, and just looks amazing. Like mix of sci-fi and like the African safari type thing. Man, I think it's going to be one of the biggest surprises of the year. But I shouldn't get into my predictions until next week. <laughs> uh, number three, Atomic Blonde. Uh, the Charlize Theron, uh, John Wick-esque movie that, in practice, uh, was kind of a disappointment for me. I didn't necessarily love the movie, but it had its moments. Uh, and the trailer really sold me on the movie. Might not have seen it without it. Uh, the trailer was basically just basically a long action scene where she's just getting her ass kicked and kicking ass and uh really sold sold the movie in a great uh interesting way not your traditional trailer number two we're back to marvel thor ragnarok uh just thought it did a great job of of selling this movie because i did not like the first two thor movies some of my least favorite uh marvel movies to date and the fact that I was as, as excited as I was to see this movie uh, it was all thanks to those trailers. And also to the fact that I just knew who was going to be directing it and that Hawk would be involved. So, good on them. But my number one, I agree. Star Wars, The Last Jedi. More specifically, the second trailer that they released. The first one actually had me a little bit worried. But then the second one was like, I need this movie right now yeah so yeah yeah cool 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 uh waste time as i try to find the next category all right let's get to best what else we watched this is you know we have that that uh part of the show each each week each episode where we talk about everything else that we watched other than the main review for the episode and this is our top five of those movies. Yeah. Um, Edgar, he gave his choice as The Ipcris File, which is, a, a, I believe it's a 1970s movie. He says, this is Michael Caine at his best. And uh, I believe you. I haven't seen the movie. I've heard of it. Uh, I might check it out now, actually, with this recommendation. A little before my time. A little bit, a little bit. You're young. So. <laughs> Um, you want to kick it off? Yeah, kick it off. All right. Go with another top three here. Um, number three is going to be American Made. Um, Tom Cruise. Uh, I wish I knew the character that he plays name, but I don't. Basically a drug runner. Like we said, it wasn't incredible. Maybe it wasn't bad either. Um, it's kind of like Blow-esque. Definitely not as good. Um, but definitely up there for me, especially maybe as it came out this year. Uh, not a lot to say. It, yeah. I would watch the movie. It's an enjoyable movie, but yeah, there really is not much to say about it. Uh, my number two is going to be Shimmer Lake. Oh, it's yes. a Netflix movie. Um, Remember you trying to sell this to me. Yeah. Dwight Schrute from The Office, whatever yeah, yeah, his yeah. name is. It's a really great movie. It's like a thriller uh, crime movie told in a very interesting uh fashion can't really say anything and you spoil it so uh it's on netflix it's, uh i uh i don't normally just pick random movies on netflix but this was the one i did and i definitely thoroughly enjoyed it 
Sweet. Definitely. Well, um, and my number one is a movie that we disagreed about, but oh, I no. definitely enjoyed it. No, not Death Note. <laughs> uh, that was my impersonation of his life. But uh, no, I, I love the movie. Uh, was it Neat Wolf or whatever, main character? Yeah. And uh, what is God? What is his name? He plays Death Note. William Perfect. Defoe. Yeah, William Defoe. I thought he was scary as shit, just as a impersonation. And or, well, he was uh, the best part of the movie, there's no doubt. Yeah, his voice and the, the way they put him off, and also the girlfriend in the movie. I thought the way it played out uh, piqued my interest. It was a movie I liked, and I know we thoroughly disagree on it. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, I won't rain on your parade. I won't. <laughs> All right, yeah. uh, that's it. My number five is Mulan, the classic Disney animated movie, which I had never seen. Uh, obviously, I'd heard of it, but uh, just, you know, got kids, got daughter, put on these type of movies, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was not expecting it to be as action-heavy. Like, there's actually some, like, great action scenes. Uh, great animated movie. I'm sorry I missed it in my prime when I was eight or whatever. Hey, man, that's where they get the Seth Monsters <laughs> So what? Uh, you didn't see Rick and Morty's first episode? I've never seen Rick and Morty. Uh, well, they came out with a new season this uh, after like a while. Wait, the first episode, uh, Rick goes back in time to they released like a special chicken nugget sauce at McDonald's oh, for Mulan. Yeah. Oh wow, it had something to do with Mulan. Like, yeah. Well, it was know. the promotion for Mulan, and it was like started a big craze. Oh uh, wow, I never knew that. I never yeah. heard about the. The controversy, but I didn't realize uh, that. Yeah, it was like a promotional thing for Mulan. <laughs> nice. Got to get prepared for the Mulan live action movie this year. I'll get prepared for it. Please do. Number four <laughs> is uh, The Fits. This is a 2016 movie about a young black girl as she's coming up through the school. She's on like the Step Squad team. And it's kind of like this. Uh, Almost like a psychological horror. Uh, you're following her perspective. Uh, I think actually she's like a, a boxer. And then she she's fascinated by the, the dancers and she wants to try to do it. She joins the team and like there's these fits that keep happening. And like where these girls one at a time will just like collapse and, and have these convulsions, these fits and be out of commission. And it's kind of like a... I feel I think it's um like a metaphor for getting your period for the first time or you know like becoming a woman in a, in a way yeah. and just how scary that could be for someone in that situation and uh just a great great movie short it's only like an hour and 25 minutes or something I believe uh really really enjoyed it number 3 is another short movie uh Krisha the 2016 movie as well this was a story of an alcoholic mother who is coming home for Thanksgiving to spend it with the, the family. Well, I guess her son is one of the people that she's spending it with, so I guess she's not like the mother of everybody, but, uh, you know, it's like the drunk aunt coming home, you know, and uh, it's, again, it kind of plays kind of like a slightly horror-ish because it's almost entirely from her perspective and... 
it's like a slow descent into madness in a way where you can just feel the awkwardness around everybody. It's like those people, you know, it's like the one of those things where it's like, oh, God, what's it going to be this year with this person, you know? And uh, slowly unwinds into the inevitable when when these things happen. Uh, same director, Trey Edward Schultz, who did uh, that horror movie. Shit, hold on. That horror movie? Uh, it Comes at Night. He directed It Comes uh, at yeah, Night yeah. as well. And uh, this is the one that put me on his radar. radar. And uh, yeah, big fan of his work. So I would recommend that. Number two is Our Little Sister, yet again, a 2016 movie. I did not do a fantastic job of catching up on classic films in 2017, but uh, I'll try to do better next year, this year. Our Little Sister is a Japanese film about these young ladies who find out that they... God, it's been a while, but I believe they find out that their father had a daughter with another woman and they kind of try to get to know this girl and she moves in with them and it's basically just a little drama story, uh, quaint, nice uh, cinematography about, you know, them getting to know each other and their quirks. But at the same time, I, what I liked about it was that it was like a subtle, you just get to see these traditions play out like, the culture, you know, like, uh, yeah. you just get to see things from a different perspective than your own. And that's uh, a big part of what I enjoy about film. So greatly enjoyed that. Uh, but my number one should not be that much of a surprise. It was a movie me and Casey reviewed over the summer, a classic, uh, French movie, French new wave, the 400 blows. Um, it's a story of a troubled kid in France and, it's basically like boyhood, but made a long time ago and not over the course of 12 years. It's just to that level of filmmaking and character development. It's uh, it's really, really great work. Please check out the, uh, the movie and then check out our episode that we did. I really enjoyed doing that. Nice. All right. You already went? What? Did you already go? Sorry. <laughs> With go the- where? Home? No. <laughs> Bless what else we watched? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> trying to confuse you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like lost <laughs> Let's move on to the negative. Worst rental of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, before we start going up, escalating towards the best of the year, we got to talk about the shit of the year. Uh, <laughs> which I should say my number five now with that amazing transition but i'll say edgar picked fantastic beasts and where to find them as the worst rental i can't say i disagree because that is the most mediocre forgettable movie of the year uh i wouldn't say it was the worst but i did not enjoy it and i come from as someone who enjoyed the harry potter books tremendously and the movies pretty good well as, as well yeah i agree it was <laughs> i definitely did not enjoy it uh, I really didn't even enjoy it at all. I loved the Harry Potter the same way. Yeah, was, I just uh, thought that was a complete misfire. Yeah, but I mean, I can't say it was terrible either at the same time. So uh, I'll start this one. My number five. Talk about shit. It's the Emoji Movie. <laughs> uh, talked about it on the last episode, I believe. Uh, really, really bad. 
not much more. I mean, what do you expect? It's the freaking emoji movie. Yeah. Number four, Assassin's Creed. The first movie you ever reviewed on this podcast, I believe. Yeah. When we did that video game episode earlier in the year. Man, I really hated this movie. <laughs> it has some cool like production design and some good actors in it, but conceptually and and everything else, I, I just thought what I was so excited for this movie. It should probably be my biggest disappointment. I can't remember if it is, but man, what yeah, a disappointment. I was not so much excited for it. I, I just thought this idea. you know, here's how excited I was for it. It's not necessarily that I was so excited for this movie. It was the fact that there's never been a great video game movie. And I wrote an article for Baltimore Sports and Life uh, before the movie came out, where I, after, um, shit, what was it? Warcraft came out, where I ranked the top five greatest video game movies of all time. And I put Assassin's Creed at number one before it even came out. <laughs> so, uh, whoops, I would definitely not do that. Well, they're so bad, it still might be, but no, it's a bad movie. <laughs> uh, number three, The Dark Tower. So bad. Yeah, I, I, it's like for these worst movies. What really can you say except it's terrible? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. Ugly movie. You have Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey, and <laughs> and you're still on my one of the worst movies of the year. That's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I just they try to cram like seven books worth of stuff into an hour and a half and didn't work for me i could was convoluted could not care less what was going on lost interest almost immediately just so bad yeah my number two was transformers the last night the newest transformers movie again what do i expect why am i even watching these anymore i hate them all <laughs> i'm just like uh, a glutton for punishment or like I have this weird thing where I just try, I want to watch as many movies for the year as possible. Like I've watched 93 movies so far released in 2017, and uh, yeah, I gotta drop this habit of watching that movies that I know are gonna be bad. <laughs> up your filter. Yeah, exactly. It's not like I even saw it in theaters when people were talking about it. I saw it a little bit later when no one was talking about it. So, <laughs> terrible decisions. My, but my number one uh, was Fifty Shades Darker. If you thought Fifty Shades of Grey was bad, that's actually a masterpiece compared to the sequel. Because any sliver of interesting content from the first movie is completely gone. It's nothing but the worst of the worst. Uh, I just uh, could not... Could not do it. It's the least sexy sex movie. You know, it's terrible. That is terrible. Yeah. What's yours? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> my number three is going to be Pirates of the Caribbean. Dead Man yep, Killing that Tales. just missed my list. Yeah. Um, I, I love the Pirates of the franchise. I thought all the movies were pretty good. Some better than others. Yeah, uh, only the first one's good. I thought this movie was just boring, totally yeah. missed. It was way too long. It was, way too long. It was it just totally did not do the franchise justice, if you ask me. I, agree. Um, I thought I agree. the villain was not good. Yep. Uh, Johnny Depp's character was played out. Uh, yep. Really not too much redeemable factors in it. Um, Reach on, brother. 
What? Preach on. <laughs> Preach to the choir uh, over here. Number two is a movie we uh, reviewed, uh, A Ghost Story. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I did not really enjoy it. No, I know. Uh, I get it. I get it. I didn't love the movie as much as I wanted to, but I uh, I was I I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it was just. I did like the movie, but. I mean, the concept was cool in a sense once you really grasped it, but it was bo- bo- for me boring and yeah. some scenes that were just like, "What the fuck?" Pie eating. Uh, but my number one is yeah. uh, probably my least favorite franchise of all time. Um, Smurfs? It's pro- no, it's probably up there with as bad as Transformers Fate of the Furious. Oh, yeah, I should have known. The last uh, Fast and Furious movie. Um, we I mean, wish. it was cool with the. <laughs> we tributes, wish it was uh, the last. What? We wish it was the last. Yeah, well, uh, it's not. Nope, there's two more coming. Uh, Jesus, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was cool uh, with the tribute to uh, whatever that guy's name was. <laughs> yeah. Paul, Paul Walker, if you Paul if Walker. you say so, sure. Uh, but um, yeah, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. I at least can get something out of this. Yeah, well, yeah, it's bad. There's there are bad movies. <laughs> All right, let's try to turn our attention to more on the positive side of things because 2017's got a lot of negativity already. Let's get to <laughs> the best scene of the year. This is one of our newer categories. I believe last year was the first year um, that it existed. And this is it's back, baby. And I, I really like this category. Um, makes me think. Makes me uh, really try to determine what I think is the best scenes. Uh, <laughs> of course. I, li- I like things that make me think. Yes, I, I really do. Because a lot of times I'm just like, oh, yeah, put this one here, this one here. But this one I actually have to be like, Okay, so this was my favorite movie, but was there a scene in this movie that I, was a standout? I like it. All right, what you go first? Okay, uh, I'm saving Edgar's Edgar, pick. Yeah, I'm saving Edgar's pick because it's the same as my number one. Okay, um, let's see here. What's my order here? I'm, I've like redone my order at some points. So give me one second. Oh, number three here for me is the hypnotized scene in Get Out. Nice. Um, yeah, that's good. Incredible movie. Uh, it's a very cool scene. I don't know if I should go into detail describing it. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, basically, it comes inside from smoking, and uh, the mom's like, you know, smoking can kill you. Just sit down. She starts hypnotizing him, and it's fucking freaky. It really starts the pace of the weird shit happening. Um, yeah, it is a great scene. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my number two is the fairy scene in Spider-Man. Oh, okay. Uh, Staten Island Fairy. Yeah. I thought you were about to say the fairy scene in Bright. I was <laughs> like, what the... F-? Okay, Staten Island Fairy. Yeah, Staten Island Fairy scene in Spider-Man. It's, uh, it's one of like the, the big parts of the movie. I thought it was really cool because I had recently been on the Staten Island Fairy for the first time right around then. And uh, it was very uh, very realistic, very cool looking. The effects in it are amazing. And uh, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I got an honorable mention before my number one here. <laughs> right. It's uh, a scene in Logan Lucky towards uh, the yeah. end where his daughter is like in a beauty pageant, I suppose. And she knows her dad's favorite song is Take Me Home. Um, and she does like a last minute change and sings in like a cute little girl way. It's not like a great singing scene, but uh, 
chain Tatum like gets to the back of the room just in time to see it and uh it's a cool little touching scene yeah i haven't seen that movie yet that's one of the movies i i want to make sure i see before i finalize my uh, end of year list i love yeah. steven soderbergh so it's cool to hear definitely um number one is the i guess it's one of the opening scenes in the new it it's it's like the classic it scene where it's raining outside and he's got his uh, paper boat george Georgie. Yes, that's Georgie floods into the sewer. It's like, oh, no. Uh, my brother's going to kill me. And then Pennywise pops up. Hi, Georgie. You know. Oh, yeah. It is really creepy. It's freaky as shit. And I thought they did this one better than. Oh, yeah. Original it hit. Yeah, uh, for sure. It's even a little brutal. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right. I have actually a couple honorable mentions, of course. Cheating, as usual. Uh, before <laughs> I get to my top five. Um. First time I will mention is the reveal in the Handmaiden. Not going to say more than that because you know that'd be revealing it. It's the reveal, <laughs> yeah. But uh, incredible moment in that movie. One of my favorites. Uh, my other honorable mention is I t- I put little like uh, my own little titles for these scenes. I don't know what they're actually considered, but live on air from Christine, the movie Christine. Uh, this was a true story, so I can spoil it. Um, she killed herself. She is a newscaster that killed herself live on air. Uh, yeah. And this was the actual scene like that was leading up, the whole movie was leading up to. And, man, <laughs> like real tension inducing there. That's uh, crazy. But now I'll get on to my top five. Number five, I called uh, Cowboy Pool Party from American Honey. Um, this was a scene from one of my favorite. Uh. Have you seen this movie? Yeah, actually, a kid I went to high school with was in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, or middle school. Pretty. Did you like the movie? Yeah, I did. Uh, I'm never really a big fan of Shia LaBeouf, but I thought it was one of his better movies. Yeah. I just love this scene because it's when uh, the girl, she kind of runs away, or she kind of, I can't remember, she goes off with this like rich cowboy guy to some house party, and it's like the whole time you're thinking, oh, Jesus, what's going to happen? Yeah, this is going to go terrible. Like, yeah, something terrible is going to happen. But it ends up like they just have a great time and they're having a party and it's this really cool scene and then Shia LaBeouf shows up and uh, that's when shit hits the fan. Fuck shit up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number four was, this is, I was surprised this made my list. Like, before I saw the movie. Anyway, the opening number from La La Land. The opening musical number oh, okay. where they're on the the traffic on the highway in Cali and the, everyone just like breaks out in a song and dance and yeah. I don't know I thought it was like really out there but I, it worked I feel like it set the tone of the movie perfectly um, my number three is the Red Room altercation from Star Wars oh. The Last Jedi again don't want to spoil anything but if you've seen the movie you know what that means um, my number two is the first act table scene from Moonlight, uh, one of my favorite movies of the year. Spoiler alert. Uh, this is the scene, like the movie is set in three stages. One where yeah, it blew my mind. The guy, uh, yeah, the kid is like a young kid. Yeah, I want to say he's like 10, maybe eight or 10 to 12. I, I'm not good at the ages, but, uh, and he's sitting down with the, best character from the movie, Mahershala Ali's yep. character, 
and it's just like a real conversation. And the kid asks him, "Am I a faggot or what? What's a faggot? Something like that." Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It just was a really powerful scene. I I really felt that uh, it elicited some emotion. You know, maybe it got a little dusty in the theater that night. But, uh, <laughs> no, great movie, and that, I thought that was the best scene of that movie. Yeah. So my number one. I, oh, sorry. Sorry. My number one. Yeah, Edgar agrees with me, so we know it's true. Is uh, from Manchester by the Sea. It's the scene when uh, Lee and Randy run into each other, also known as the Manchester Meetup, where uh, <laughs> I made that up. Uh, where you know, again, no spoilers, but they have been avoiding each other for a long time for a specific reason and this is kind of like a chance encounter where they're forced to kind of face a reality and it is freaking brutal like <laughs> tears just pouring down my face the scene I, this is an emotionally wrenching movie for me to watch what again one of my favorite movies of that year and uh this was the scene that was just like Come on, what are you doing to me here? <laughs> incredible, incredible stuff. The acting was just sensational. I know you didn't like the movie as much as me, but... I mean, I liked it. It was... Um, I can't say I didn't like it. It wasn't... It wasn't as probably as papered with mine as it is yours. <laughs> got you, got you. That's fair. Uh, Alright, let's get into the genre awards. We'll start with Best Documentary. Uh, right. Actually, we'll say what... Uh, what uh, Edgar said, insert whatever Casey watched. So <laughs> I can't remember exactly. Uh, Casey never got back to me, so I don't know. <laughs> but uh, you want to kick this one off? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, again, I, I'm on a top three roll here. I got top three is basically everything. So number three I love it. I love it. Um, is heroin. It's a Netflix documentary. Okay, I didn't um, know you liked heroin that much. <laughs> it's a uh, uh, it's a documentary about, I guess, a town or county in West Virginia where, uh, I mean, Let it me sends guess, them out. Like, can I guess what goes on there? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, like, there's a place in West Virginia where with the prescription pills they started, it's, I mean, it was like a town of like 10,000 people and they wrote like 60 million Percocets like prescriptions it's just like off the chain and you know they cracked down on that and it didn't like erase the problem it just switched everybody doing heroin instead um yep, so that, i mean the, the rate of overdose and all kinds of fucking problems there is off the charts and yeah uh, it's a real eye-opening documentary um and uh you know i've i've known a lot of, i've lost a lot of friends from yeah. that shit so it, you know i hit home in a sense and it's, it's just very informative and very well made yeah no doubt um, number two is going to be Jim and Andy. Uh, another, actually, all mine are Netflix documentaries. Uh, Jim and Andy is the behind the scenes and the stories of uh, Man on the Moon, Jim Carrey's. Uh, it's basically the story about how he played uh, Andy Kaufman and his uh, what would you call him alter egos, and it's very cool. It shows how fucking off the charts uh, Jim Carrey was playing the movie. Yeah. Playing his character. I mean, literally got in a real fight with uh, Jerry Lawler, all kinds of shit. He crashed cars on the way to the fucking studio and would show up drunk as shit all the time. Uh, it was hilarious. I thought it was very well done. Yeah. And number one, I've talked about this a few times. It's 
mind-blowing fucking documentary, Blows the Doors Off the Doping World in Sports, Icarus. Yep. Uh, have you seen it yet? Yeah, we talked about it on here, didn't we? Yeah, I think so, yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's just it's revolutionary in terms of breaking the sports world wide open and uh, shows that basically nothing is impossible when it comes to people taking steroids. Can't yeah. Really, can't really believe anything. <laughs> nothing. I've watched uh, it a few times just because it's that intense. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's on my list. Excuse me. I'm yawning. Uh, number five, Jim and Andy, you said it. Um, man, <laughs> learned a little bit more than I wanted to about Jim Carrey. Really liked that guy <laughs> before. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I still like him as an actor, I guess, but he's a nut job. He definitely went a little off the charts there. Yeah. He's basically just an asshole, really. I <laughs> I don't buy the whole method acting and becoming this person. and Like, yeah. I think he took it a little too far, but what are you going <laughs> to do? What you going to do? Number four, The Keepers. This was like the documentary series on Netflix about the Baltimore nun murders. Yep. Did you see it? Um, yeah, yeah. Pretty crazy stuff, dark, dark and twisted. Absolutely, especially because it happened like right down the street. Yeah, insane, the cover-up. It's like, the more you hear about <laughs> uh, the Catholic Church and stuff, like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy, and it's, it's like, like I mentioned something to it about it to Grandma, and you know how she is, like, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't shit on her, she was like, it came out that he didn't do any of that. Yeah, okay. Like, yep. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, uh, number three, I have Icarus as well. You, nice. you nailed it. I didn't like it as much as you. I thought the first half was better than the second. Honestly, a lot of people feel the opposite, but yeah, definitely very good. Number two for me was Long Shot. This was the short film documentary about uh, the guy who his ex- his like. Uh, excuse to get out of jail from a crime was because he was uh, on the B-roll footage for an episode of ah oh, shit what was that guy's show Curb Your Enthusiasm and, oh yeah just a, a crazy story uh, well told uh, pretty fun it's on Netflix and my number one is Tower this is a documentary about the the shooting the sniper shooting from in Texas uh, I want to say University of Texas yeah, yeah, it's Texas uh, A&M or something. Yeah. yeah, something like that. And just the way that this thing is put together is pretty incredible. It's like cel-shaded yeah. animation and really, really uh, creative. And, like, for me, sometimes a straightforward documentary, yeah, it could be informative, but it's not going to, like, capture my attention in a way that a regular film would. But, like, I like when they... They try different things to to keep your attention and to advance the art form, and this is definitely one of those for me. Yeah, it was a uh, meaning to watch that. Yeah, definitely worth a look. Check it out. Best animated movie of the year. You and Edgar seem to be at the same boat because he said, I don't watch cartoons. Yeah, I have nothing to offer here. I don't think I watched anything animated. I have kids, two young kids, so I watch half my movies are fucking animated. (laughs) Um, uh, My number five, Lego Batman movie. Not as good as the original Lego movie. It has its moments. It's a little too cluttered, a little too 
uh, it's like overwhelming how just they try to cram so much stuff in in such little time, but it's okay. Um, number four, Captain Underpants. <laughs> this was actually surprisingly decent movie. Um, not as cringeworthy as I was ex- would have expected. Uh, if you read the book, <laughs> check yeah, it out. It's a blast from the past. Yeah, seriously. My number three is Your Name. This is a Japanese anim- animated movie uh, about. It's basically like a body swap movie where this this young guy wakes up and he's in this girl's body and vice versa. Uh, there's a some much more twist to it than that, but uh, let's just say maybe they're not even in the same time either. So uh, very uh, creative concept for a movie. Well made, well done, good stuff. My number two. It's Moana, the Disney musical animated movie. Uh, I, I put this movie on sometimes at night to fall asleep to because, I don't know, sometimes I just like to have something on. Even if I immediately fall asleep, I just like to have something on in the background so it's not yeah. complete silence. And I pick this a lot of times because I like some of the sure, music, Andrew. especially early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the sun and the love the sun and we'll find you. Frozen on too. No, screw that movie. Moana is way better than Frozen. No, Moana's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, nice. Pretty good movie. Number one though, best animated movie that was available for rental in 2017 is The Red Turtle. Um, you probably haven't heard of it. It was nope. nominated for an Oscar last year. It's like a it's Castaway, basically in a way. Castaway in a way. Thanks, um, movie. Yeah, in a way, it's like an it's an animated film about this guy. It's almost like a silent movie too, because the guy gets stranded on a beach, and um, you know he's like trying to find his way to survive. It's really cool art style, and then eventually he finds this like red turtle uh, that is like beached, that is on its back and vulnerable. And he, like, goes to kill it, to eat it for food because he's starving. But all of a sudden, it transforms into, like, a naked woman with red hair. <laughs> and it's, like, then it's about, like, about their life together from then on. And it's kind of, like, uh, it's really interesting for an animated movie. Um, yeah, I would recommend it. It sounds like it. All right, let's, you kick things off in the best action category. Best action um, okay. Action. Uh, action. <laughs> uh, my number three is going to be Dunkirk. Um, I thought it was an incredible movie. Um, it's, uh, it's also got a great score. Uh, yes, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now it's great. It's a World War One about, uh, the disaster at Dunkirk. It's very great. Uh, definitely recommend everybody watch it. Uh, um, I had it in the drama category, but yes, I could okay. see it either way. I debated yeah. it, debated it. Uh, number two is Spider-Man. Yep, yep. I thought uh, I thought it was awesome. I mean, I've talked about it already. Yeah, yeah. When we've talked about it, you know, we can just kind of say it. Yeah, uh, and number one is Logan. Nice, you and Edgar agree. He's got Logan nice. as his best action movie. It was a way better movie than I expected. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be a bad movie, but it didn't. Uh, it was almost like pulled on the heartstrings at some moments. Uh, 
Daphne Keene gave an incredible performance. I was so surprised by that. And uh, mm-hmm. I just thought it was a good wrap-up to uh, What's-His-Face playing uh, Hugh Jackman. Wolverine. Yeah. Yep. I thought it was great. I never saw the origins of Wolverine or whatever, Don't. but I heard people were not. Do yes, not. I know people were not happy with that. So well, the first I thought, one, I, thought awesome. the, I thought the Wolverine, the one that took place in Japan, was pretty good. But uh, the yeah. first one was terrible. Nice. Uh, Logan, very good movie. Did not even make my top five. That's how good uh, these blockbusters were. And uh, Yeah, I, th- I was thinking about, I didn't know, if, like, I was going to put, like, Star Wars in there. I don't know if that's even uh, an action movie, but I figured you would have it, so I tried to change it up a bit. Thanks for spoiling my list. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> number five, Wonder Woman. Uh, DC can make a good movie. It is possible. This is proof. Um, just a great job of making her a great hero that people can get behind the first female led superhero movie in a a very long time. And they knocked it out of the park. As far as I'm concerned, I thought visually it was great. Uh, the scene in the trenches, uh, amazing. Uh, all the stuff in the beginning at Themyscira. I really enjoyed that as well. And number four war for the planet of the apes, the, uh, final movie in that, Great underrated trilogy. Um, we've talked about it. It's basically like a Western prison escape movie combined. Uh, what a performance from the dude who I can't remember his name, who does the mocap for everything. Andy Circus, great Andy performance Circus. As, uh, as Caesar. And just a, a great little movie. Um, number three, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Basically, more of the same from Volume 1, which I loved. Add in freaking Kurt Russell as an awesome villain. And a new character, Mantis, who's hilarious. And, uh, yeah, more of the same. Maybe not as good as one, but right on up there. Number two is Spider-Man Homecoming. I mean, we've talked about it to death, but there's, there's so much about it that I love. They finally... I feel like... It's not my favorite Spider-Man movie, but I feel like it's the one that gets Spider-Man the most right. Because first, there's like three or four awesome set pieces, but there's also just moments where he's just hanging out in uniform, in costume. Like he's just chilling on the top of a building, you know. Just, it's the little things that they got right. And uh, Tom Holland is a great Peter Parker. I even liked all the, the high school drama stuff, so... And uh, Michael Keaton, great villain. Great, great villain. Number one, predictable, Star Wars The Last Jedi. It was our last episode. You can hear our review. But, man, people are crazy that don't like this movie. I think it's second best Star Wars movie, only to Empire Strikes Back. And speaking of the action, I mean, the Red Room Altercation, which I already mentioned, and plenty of other stuff to go yeah. to go around. Just freaking incredible. Yeah, I mean, even I have faults in the movie, but to not like the movie, yeah, it's not crazy. perfect. It's not perfect, but man, it swung for the fences, and to me, it knocked it out of the park. But what do you know? Yeah. Hey, Mister Horror Man, tell oh, me wait. your top uh, three horror movies. Uh, I feel like it's a bit predictable, but uh, I'll say it anyway. <laughs> Please do. That's the rules. Um, I, I should have come up with th- more than three, but I'll go. I'll go with what I got here. Uh, number three is Split. Um, what the hell is his name? James McAvoy. Mac- McAvoy. 
McAvoy. McAvoy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a crazy movie. Uh, he did an incredible job playing all the different personalities. Um, it's freaky. It, it's a great movie, except for the ending for me. Uh, it gets yeah. a little ridiculous. Eh, yeah. I kind of like the ending. But... Yeah, uh, but I think, I guess it plays into the other universe, or, like, there's a nod to it, or previous movie that he had made, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Splitter. And, uh, I guess, huh? So, sorry, I don't want to spoil it. Well, well I, I thought it just looked around. I didn't know if it was like a big... Anyway, yeah, it was a great movie. Uh, I liked it a lot. I think we were reading it on here. Um, number two is the It remake um, that came out this year. It was, uh, it was one of my favorite trailers, too. I don't think I said that, but I was definitely pumped for this. It was, uh, it was really good. I thought, what the hell's his name from Stranger Things? The kid. Yep. Uh, Finn Finn Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was really good in it. He was like a potty mouth, smart ass kid. I thought he did a great job. I thought all the kids did a really good job. Yeah, Uh, pretty good. I thought the girl did the best, actually. Yeah, some brutal scenes with her. Yep, yep. But uh, Bill Skarsgård did a great job as uh, Pennywise, the clown. I thought it was really freaky. Some of the scenes were not as good as I expected, but all in all, it definitely it lived up to the hype for me. Mm-hmm. I would say it seeded it, but it definitely lived up to it. Um, and number one, it's got to be Get Out. It was. Uh, uh, it was. I was not expecting it, especially with Jordan Peele as the director. Uh, didn't even know he had more than sketch comedy in him. Yeah. Uh, it's a fucking freaky movie. The concept and the way it turns out is uh, very of. Put me for a loop. It's great as a horror movie on its own, and it's very like uh, of the moment. You know, it speaks on issues of today at the same time. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, Edgar agrees. He has Get Out as best horror movie. I think a lot of people would, but not me. <laughs> <laughs> My number five is the babysitter this is a netflix exclusive um not it's very predictable it's very like uh paint by numbers in a way of a kid who has a babysitter hot chick babysitter who he's like uh he he stays awake when i to see if she's having sex like when he goes to bed and what he finds out is she's like part of a satanic cult when he goes to oh, sleep, shit, I heard yeah, and I mean it's it's not like anything special, but it it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a good easy watch. So that's my number five. My number four is Under the Shadow, which is a foreign language movie. I want to say it's coming at you from Iran, Iran, so far away. It's a really really cool um, horror movie where there's, like, all this bombing going on, and it's kind of like a normal thing, and then, like, people keep leaving. No. First, uh, a missile, like, lands at the top of the building that these people live in, but it doesn't go off. So it's kind of just, like, uh, chilling there. And um, it kind of, it seems like it brings a, a ghost with it. You know, like, weird stuff starts happening. And slowly people start leaving. 
until it's only this this woman and her son or daughter i think it's son and uh yeah it's just it goes good places from there it's it's uh, not conventional and it's good number yeah, it like it. number 3 for me is mother mother um this is a Darren Aronofsky movie starring uh what's her face um, Jennifer Lawrence Jennifer Lawrence I didn't even know this was a horror movie. Um, I mean, it's not super horror-y. It's, uh, it's more of a, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. Tough to explain, but definitely has horror elements to it. I think you could consider it that. But it, it's very, like, symbolic and... Everything has another meaning besides what the obvious thing up front is. And it's very uh, divisive. A lot of people like it, like me, and a lot of people hated it. So, I don't know. Get on board or get the hell out of my house. <laughs> number two for me is Get Out. I, I didn't put it in number one because It Comes at Night is my uh, favorite horror movie of the year. I... Again, that's one that a lot of people did not like, but I just absolutely loved it. Loved the atmosphere, loved the acting. I loved I loved that there was never that moment where zombies appeared or anything like that. It was all about the threat of the unknown. And uh yeah. but I do love Get Out as well, as we've said. So How can you not? Yep. Uh let's go to comedy, from horror to comedy. It's only natural. Uh, Edgar says Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 for best comedy I had it under action obviously but yeah I can see it it's a very funny movie Uh, number 5 for me I'll just go into it real quick I don't have a ton to spend on uh, this category Girls Trip this is one that uh, it's not as hilarious as some people are saying but it is pretty funny Um, it's like uh, basically the hangover for a group of women, black women, who, uh, I don't know, it's very lewd, it's very, you know, pervasive, it's very vulgar, but it's very funny, too. So, number four is Miss Stevens. This is not necessarily a traditional comedy, it's more of like an indie movie that has comedic elements to it, but uh, it's about this this teacher, Miss Stevens, who, (laughs) (laughs) she... Like takes a group of kids on some kind of um, I can't God it's again it's been so long since I've seen it but it's some kind of competition right it's some kind of I think it's an acting competition and it's like just how her dynamic between these three or four kids like one is a goody goody two shoes one is like the the kid who's too cool for school. One, you know, just your traditional stuff. But it was pretty well done. I enjoyed the movie. Number three, Hunt for the Wilder People, directed by Taika Waititi, who also directed Thor Ragnarok. Um, very funny movie. <laughs> I just love the accents. I love that New Zealand accent. It's uh, the Kiwi Kiwi accent is, is hilarious in and of its own. And this is like uh, this kid, he gets... Um, He's like an orphan kid who's going from home to home. I want to say... <laughs> what? 
<laughs> He's like an orphan kid. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to... So a lot of these movies, this is the problem with this format of this award show. It's because it's like 2016 movies that I, I watched at the very beginning of 2017. Um, <laughs> so I'm like struggling to remember exactly what they were about. No, I know what you mean. Um, but he... Uh, uh, something happens. He's with this group. It's Sam, Sam, the guy, the dad from Jurassic Park. Um, fuck is his name? Uh, Sam something. And like the <laughs> the the mom, the the mom character here dies, I think. And then something happens where they're on the run from the authorities, and it gets crazy and crazy. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, number two, uh, Ingrid Goes West. Uh, this is a movie I've talked about somewhat recently. It's uh, it's one of my favorite movies of 2017. I think it's like number 12 on the year for me right now. But it's about this mentally unstable person who decides to move out to Cali, move to L.A., and uh, just becomes obsessed with this one Instagram celebrity and then interweaves her way into her life and it's a dark comedy and it's also very of our time with uh, social media taking over the world really well done number one for me is the edge of 17 which i infamously said to the crowd of two people uh who ever listened to that episode that it's the funniest uh coming of age movie since or the best coming of age comedy since super bad not necessarily saying it's as good as Superbad, but uh, just a really well done movie in the in that kind of vein with a female protagonist instead of a male protagonist. Yeah, I was happy wanted to watch it. It's good. It's good. Nice. They were nice. Um, my number three is The Disaster Artist. Um, the movie by uh, James Franco and Dave Franco uh, about uh, making of the room, the room. The notoriously the worst movie ever made. Tommy Wiseau made, directed, starred in, <laughs> and it is it's terrible, but it's hilariously terrible to the point where it's like a cult classic in a way, and it's like a bi- biographical uh, tale of that. And I think James Franco does an outstanding job playing uh, Tommy Wiseau. It's hilarious. Uh, uh, yeah, it's very well done. I was I was a big surprise for me. Um, did not think it was going to be funny or like this much, and I definitely did. Uh, number two is a movie we reviewed on here. Another movie I didn't uh, had a good trailer. I didn't know how good it was going to be or live up to. Uh, the Big Sick. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Shit, uh, actually, yeah, that should have been on my list. That's a miss. Yeah. Misfire. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely awesome. It's hilarious. Uh, I thought Ray Romano was great in it. Don't remember the lead's name, but uh, yeah, I thought the mom was also great in it. All around, it's a great movie. I didn't, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't think I was it would be. I thought it was just going to be like one of those cheesy comedies that kind of really missed, but it definitely wasn't. I thought it was great all around. Um, do you want to add anything to that? No. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, and number one's kind of like a cheat. Uh, I guess yeah. you really wouldn't necessarily call it a movie, but uh, all of Dave Chappelle's stand-ups that came out on Netflix. Uh, I think the last two 
I heard they were really, really came out good. New Year's Day, but uh, I heard New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, but I counted it, and I thought I thought the last two were even the best. Uh, there you go. But the first the first two were awesome too. It was hilarious. I would definitely recommend checking them out. Nice. All right. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about the Big Sick is it good. It very good. <laughs> that was worth it. Okay. Yep. Best drama of the year. I'll start it off. Um, number five, Arrival. The movie about aliens, Arrival to Earth. Uh, starring Amy Adams and, oh my God, who was the guy in it? Uh, I don't know. It was uh, <laughs> Hawkeye, um, Jeremy Renner. Uh, yeah. And Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, okay. Man, it's getting late. We're going to have to pick up the pace. And, uh, yeah, Arrival, my number five drama. Uh, that's the episode I'll never forget. We had Rob Sisternino on as guest. Um, big get there, yeah. Uh, number four, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. You had it as an action movie. I put it in drama, but I do think it might be one of the best war movies ever made. Just yeah. the immediacy of it, the... God, it really puts you there. Especially, I saw it in IMAX. I mean, incredible. Oh, that's probably awesome. It was awesome. Tom Hardy, his parts especially. Yeah. Were amazing. Uh, number three, The Handmaiden. Uh, this is that South Korean uh, movie that I talked about for best scene, but this was the winner of our March Movie Madness from this year. And uh, just a great drama with twist after twist. It's fantastic. Number two, Moonlight, uh, the story of this this kid uh, in three stages of his life, young, adolescent, and then uh, like a young adult, and just how he adapts to life and his situation. I don't know. It's like these are the kind of movies that I love the most most of the, most of the time. It's just like these uh, insular, character-driven uh, movies with a lot of character development. It's amazing. It, it would have been my number one if it wasn't for Manchester by the Sea, which <laughs> I'm over the moon about or over the sea about. Um, talked about it a lot. It's incredible. Yeah, nice. Um, my number three is, I guess it's a drama. I don't know. I, I think I have a diluted person of what a drama is, but uh, <laughs> number three is Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, it's um, drama. Yeah, it's like... Almost kind of like Clue in a movie-ish. Uh, but uh, I thought it was cool the way it turned out. At first, I didn't like it. I rewatched it. I liked it better. Um, uh, yeah, it was good. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Number two is Wind River. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, uh, kind of like a thriller almost. But uh, Jeremy Renner, they find that girl dead and... Uh, like the cold Arctic and about tracking down the, you know, the, the kill calls. Yeah. And, uh, all that. Yeah. Pretty good. But, pretty uh, good. Yeah. Number one is a movie I absolutely loved. It was thoroughly surprised by and loved. Dave recommended it to me the Meyerowitz stories. It's a Netflix movie. Nice. Yep. Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller. Uh, it's a great, uh, family story. Not like family friendly story, but story about a family and falling apart, coming back together. And it's incredible. incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. I love that movie. 
with all my heart, but it didn't crack my list. Uh, Edgar had Manchester by the Sea as well for his number one. So take that. Nice, nice. I'm talking to you, Brooks. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) In case anyone got it twisted. All right. (laughs) Let's talk about biggest disappointment of the year. Uh, I'll just kick it off real quick. Number five for me was Hacksaw Ridge. This is the uh, Mel Gibson-directed movie. It was supposed to be his big comeback. It got nominated for Best Picture. It had a lot of nominations at the Oscars last year. I thought... It was not that great. I thought the action scenes in the second half were pretty good, if not over the top. The first half especially I thought was just not very good at all. It was really like it felt like a lifetime movie almost. Uh, not a fan. Number four for me was The Lost City of Z. Uh, a movie that was just getting rave, rave, rave reviews earlier, early in the year. Uh, I saw it. It was good. I enjoyed it. But it was way too long and did not live up to the hype for me. Very similarly to Silence, my number three, the Martin Scorsese movie. Uh, one of my, it was one of my most anticipated movies of the end of last year. And again, it was really good. It was a very good movie. It was also incredibly long and just not quite what I was expecting. Not sure what I was expecting, but very definitely a worthwhile movie. Just... Still a disappointment for me. Number two was Blair Witch. I, I was, I, I'm, I guess I still am, but I was, especially before this movie, like a big fan of the directors. They had directed The Guest and You're Next, some great, great uh, modern horror movies. And here they were, out of nowhere, taking a crack at this classic found footage horror movie. And I was excited. Turned out to be... Terrible. <laughs> so yeah, that sucked. But uh, my number one disappointment, and it is Edgar's as well, is Jason Bourne, the fifth movie in the Bourne franchise, fourth with Matt Damon. The original trilogy is so freaking good. I thought Paul Greengrass, Matt Damon together again, we're going to get back on that high horse. And no, it was really bad. It was um, very disappointing. It felt more like that Michael Mann movie with Chris Hemsworth, uh, Black Hat, than a, a Jason Bourne movie. So, big disappointment. Nice, nice. Um, I kind of had a tough t- uh, time thinking of disappointments. Uh, I don't really know why, but... <laughs> uh, number three is Justice League. You have a bigger budget than Star Wars, and don't live up to it. I mean, it's insane how much money they spend on a movie like that. Yeah, it blows my mind, really. It's pretty crazy. And it's been panned by everybody I talked to. Um, number two is Moonlight for me. Um, uh, like you said earlier, I love the first act. And uh, like you said, the best character in the movie. And then not. Uh, just didn't. I just wasn't into it. Not, I can see it. Homophobic or anything. It just, uh, just wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah, I get it. I think it starts off so strong that uh, I do think the second and third parts are not as good, but I still think they're very, very good on their own. So, agree to disagree. And number one for me, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man Tunes, New Tales. I said it earlier, I love the franchise, and it's just missed on every cylinder. I mean, it's it's just nothing really good about it to me. I was like dreading watching it halfway through. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, let's move on to biggest surprise. Go for it. Uh, number three is uh, The Disaster Artist. Um, I said it before, it was very funny. I really liked it and did not, I didn't know much about The Room except for all the memes that it created. Um, so, surprised how thoroughly I enjoyed that. Number two is The Meyerwood Stories. Again, I've talked about it. Um, just watched it on recommendations from my brother and it is fucking incredible. Um, and number one, I think probably the biggest surprise in a long time was Get Out. Uh, like I said, Jordan Peele directed it. Uh, got almost 100% Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and it definitely lived up to that. Yes, sir. All right. My number five is Snowden. Uh, this was uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah. Jonathan Snowden movie, obviously. Um, I just thought it was going to be terrible. But it actually ended up being somewhat decent. Uh, not yeah. great, but enjoyable. Uh, easy watch. I loved it. You did? <laughs> <laughs> not surprised, because I think you told yeah. me that before. That's why. Uh, number four, Hidden Figures. This seemed like um, almost like The Blind Side. Like, I feared it would be like The Blind Side, a movie I hated where it was just so up its own ass and like that glossiest like most positive spin you could put on a story possible uh but it wasn't it was a really good movie hidden figures deserves the the money and the praise that it got at the end of 2016 beginning of 2017 number three jackie this was a movie that i thought was going to be a boring biopic starring natalie portman trying to get an oscar Instead, it's a really... What? 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 I just thought that was fun. I'm glad. Uh, I'm going to take this show on the road. I'm going to hit the comedy clubs. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, it ended up being a very creative and original biopic um, with an incredible score and an absolutely stunning performance by Natalie Portman. Not in a pandering way, but in a real way. Um, yeah, just loved, loved, loved the movie. It caught me by surprise how much I enjoyed that. Number two, Nocturnal Animals. Uh, it was a big surprise for me. I heard like mixed things about it. Based off the trailers, I wasn't so sure. It just seemed kind of pretentious. I didn't absolutely love uh, the director's first movie, but I did this one. Uh, especially the, like the side story where it's... Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Shannon, and uh, guy from Kick-Ass. I thought, very, very good. Very, very good. Number one, American Honey. This movie, uh, it's not really about anything, right? It's very, it's like a slice of life, uh, put you in this... In a crazy lifestyle. Yeah. Crazy situation, see things from a, a different person's perspective. And like I said, I, I don't know, I just, it was a ride I went on. And I uh, enjoyed it immensely. Uh, there's a movie that uh, just came out recently called The Florida Project, which is basically this year's American Honey for me. Another movie I loved in a similar way. Check it out. Edgar's, nice. Edgar's biggest surprise was Kong Skull Island. Um, he, he enjoyed that movie immensely. Uh, or at least more than he expected to. So yes. let's move on to best score slash soundtrack. I'll cracker jack this one out on the open floor. I'm saying words that I don't... 
Number five, uh, Moana. I talked about how some of their songs get stuck in my head. I put it on. It's got a good soundtrack. Uh, I'm trying to think of another song. You're welcome. Uh, number four, La La Land. That seems pretty obvious, right? I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> won so many awards last year. It's a musical. And uh, deservedly so. I think it, it really does a good job. Number three, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Just the classic Star Wars score going on there. With, I'm sure there's some new stuff mixed in, right? Um, uh, great stuff. Number two, American Honey. Again, um, the soundtrack. Like, a lot of different R&B, rap, all kinds of music that I don't typically just listen to on my own, but definitely fit the movie, and I, I greatly enjoyed that. And number one, love the movie or not, Brooks, you got to admit, Moonlight got that great score going on. Yeah, I uh, can't remember what it sounds <laughs> I totally like. Remember, <laughs> but no, it's it's a great great score. Uh, the one moment it stands out is when he's teaching him to swim in that first act, and the the swelling score underneath of it, like just amazing. Nice. Uh, nice. Edgar's pick was Arrival, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah, this is kind of like a category I'm mailing in because I don't have. They really how to describe the soundtracks, but uh, number three is going to be Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Like you said, fucking star classic Star Wars music. It's uh, some of the best music probably made in a movie ever. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, for obvious reasons. Number two is Dunkirk. Um, yeah, yep. Great. Story. I thought it, it, just, it just does a great way of building and keeping attention, and really, really, really does. adds to the effect. No doubt. Um, and number one for me is Baby Driver. Um, I thought it had a great soundtrack going along with the movie. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. You know that. Right. All right. Best visual effects. Again, Edgar, coming in strong with Kong Skull Island. And that's my number five, actually, is Kong Skull Island. I think, really, uh, Kong himself looks amazing. Uh, in the movie, and so do the other creatures, and just the look of the movie, like the color grading and or correction, and uh, really good looking movie visually. Number four for me is Arrival. I mean, there's nothing completely like in your face, like oh my god, it's special effects, but uh, <laughs> really, really subtle work of these alien spaceships and the aliens themselves. And everything else, like really great, uh, uh, subtle visual effects work, and it should be no surprise that Denny Villeneuve went on to direct Blade Runner twenty forty nine as well as he did uh, coming off of Arrival. Number three, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Now this is one that has like all up in your face with the <laughs> CGI, Donald Trump, <laughs> but uh, uh, in a great way. It, it's like really colorful, really just blasting you in the eyeballs with these visuals and it's great um number two dr strange uh not the greatest marvel movie but it's pretty good uh for what it is and really creative with the magic and and the way he could bend things and like very inceptiony in the battles and uh really enjoyed the visual effects for that movie but number one star wars the last jedi i mean come on yeah, I mean, how's it not? Uh, I completely agree. 
<laughs> um, real visual effects. Uh, number three. <laughs> <laughs> number three for me is Game of Thrones season seven. Fucking <laughs> cheetah. <laughs> I mean, it's not a movie, but it might as well fucking. Yeah, be. I'll allow it because I don't have a choice. Yeah, gonna say you're gone. <laughs> um, it's incredible. Uh, it goes to show how long it takes them to make it. It better be that good, and goddamn it, it is. Um, <laughs> uh, number two for me is War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, yep. Just the way that the uh, scenery and everything is uh it's just incredible it makes the movie really for me incredibly rendered yeah uh and of course number one how can you not agree the last jedi yeah what were you thinking with what? kong skylon and edgar you yeah. gotta put a star wars up in there <laughs> all right best cinematography i can be really fast because i don't know how to explain it through words i i i get it visually and like I don't know. It's one of the things where I'm like, oh man, cinematography is great on this movie. Why? Oh, just this. Like, can't explain. <laughs> so, number five, Silence. Martin Scorsese's Silence. Said it was disappointing. Still got that beautiful cinematography, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> number four, La 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 Land. A uh, lot of great camera movements and angles and shots. Number three, Arrival. It's everywhere. It's always on all these lists. Arrival, Arrival, Arrival. Number two, <laughs> what is this? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Number two, <laughs> The Handmaiden. Really, really great cinematography there. And number one, Moonlight. Nice. Did you have anything nice. for this one? What? Did you have anything for cinematography? Yeah, I think I have a skewed idea of what cinematography means, but... I'll give it a shot anyway. Do it. Uh, number three for me is Wonder Woman. Um, I thought it was great, especially a lot of the action scenes uh, make it look really good. Uh, <laughs> number two is Game of Thrones again. Um, <laughs> nice. Like you said, I don't really know how to explain it, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's my number two. And my number one is... Star Wars, again. Yeah. Uh, my understanding of cinematography is the camera work, the yeah. the movements of the camera, the shot selection, and just, I also consider just, like, the way that, like, the film actually looks, like, the graininess, the, you know, the film quality, you know, that's, I consider that cinematography as yeah, well. Yeah, I was pretty much just thinking, like, visual effects is, like, the same thing in my head. But, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> best director. I have Damien Chazelle for La La Land. Kenneth, oh, that's number five. Number four is Kenneth Lonergan for Manchester by the Sea. Number three is Denny Villeneuve for Arrival. Number two, Chanwick Park for The Handmaiden, and number one, and Edgar Chaput's number one as well, Barry Jenkins, for Moonlight. Nice, very nice. Uh, my number three is Ryan Johnson for Star Wars The Last Jedi. Um, number two is James Margold for Logan. Okay, and number, Mangold. Yeah, Mangold. I guess I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> Uh, and number one, Jordan Peele for Get Out. Love it. That's a good one. All right. Uh, best Supporting Actress. We're getting close here. 
Go for it. Uh, my number three is Holly Hunter, the the mom in the Big Sick. Yeah, she's great. Very uh, good comic relate to the movie. Um, number two is Daphne Keene uh, in Logan. That was a breakout performance, if you ask me. Sure enough. Uh, incredible. Um, and number one, Amelia Clark, Game of Thrones. Oh, She's my God. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Edgar had Catherine Keener from Get Out. Okay. The uh, Mother Dearest. Yeah, yeah. My number five, though, is uh, Naomi Harris from Moonlight. She was the mom, the alcoholic, drug addict mom. Yeah, yeah. Great performance. Uh, not the best of the movie, though, as you'll soon find out. Number four, Viola Davis uh, for Fences. She won the Oscar last year, and uh, deservedly so. Not my favorite movie. I did like it, but uh, the acting by both her and Denzel is incredible, but her especially... She knocked it out of the park. Number three for me is Riley Keough from American Honey. She played like nice. the boss bitch of the newspaper selling uh, tradition uh, business. I thought uh, magazine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Magazine, whatever's. Uh, yeah, she was great. She was really good in a, uh, especially that scene when she. In the hotel room when she makes uh, Shia LaBeouf do whatever she wants, basically. Yep. Pretty good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> you don't remember? <laughs> no, in her kiss out. Oh, yeah. But, I don't know. She's just uh, a great performer. <laughs> That's not why. Number two, <laughs> Janelle Monet from Moonlight. She was um, Mahershala Ali's like significant other in the first act, and she was on in the movie throughout just thought she was incredible and number one Michelle Williams for Manchester by the Sea nice uh, best supporting actor I'll kick it off uh, Tracy Letts in Christine is my number five he was the station manager uh, at the news station where she killed herself number four Lucas Hedges Manchester by the Sea he was the the, the son that was left as a little orphan kid after his father died. Uh, number three, Shia LaBeouf for American Honey. Number two, Michael Shannon for Nocturnal Animals. Number one, Mahershala Ali for Moonlight, which is also Edgar's pick. Nice, very nice. That's uh, pretty uh, My number three is uh, Boyd Holbrook in Logan, plays the villain. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've seen like four movies so yep <laughs> I love it I love it hey man you get what you pay for it's true it's true <laughs> no it's all good um, number two is Ray Romano <laughs> in the big six uh, I thought he was very funny he was awesome he was awesome yeah and uh, my number one is Ryan Gosling in La La Land yep. which I guess could be like a co-lead but I have him as best actor, but I could see it because she was really the uh, focus point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, best actress. <laughs> <laughs> Last three categories uh, here. Best actress, go. All right. Uh, my number three is <clears throat> Emma Stone from La La Land. She, of course, won the Oscar uh, last year. Um, 
Number two, Daisy Ridley, uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Nice. Uh, always liked her in the, these two movies of the trilogy. And yeah, number one, Gal Gadot uh, from Wonder Woman. All right, my number five is Rebecca Hall from Christine. She plays Christine, who kills herself alive on air in Christine. <laughs> number four, Emma Stone for La La Land. Number three, Amy Adams. In Arrival, uh, that's Edgar's pick as well. She, man, she was so good in this movie. She really made the movie. Uh, the twist that, uh, with her character is incredible, and she performs it admirably. Number two is Min Hee Kim from The Handmaiden. Man, love this movie. Really love this movie. Number one... <laughs> I have nothing to say. Number one, though, Natalie Portman for Jackie. She might not have won that coveted Oscar, second Oscar, but she sure won that Redbox Award. Yeah, just as prestigious. Absolutely. Uh, best Actor of the Year. My number five and Edgar's pick for Best Actor is Joel Edgerton from It Comes at Night. Uh, just saw it. Man, he was so good in that. Really believable in that situation. And, uh, yeah, he was great. Number four, Denzel Washington for Fences. Number three, Ryan Gosling for La La Land. Number two, Adam Driver, not for Star Wars, for Patterson, the movie where he plays a bus driver who writes poetry in Patterson, New Jersey. Or, yeah, Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, Great movie, great performance. Number one, though, Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea. Fucking suck up. <laughs> What's your best actor? Uh, my number three is Daniel Kaluja from Get Out. Nice, nice. Uh, very great performance there. Number two, Adam Sandler in The Meyerwood Stories. Love it. One of his best performances ever. Yes, yes. And uh, my number one is Jake Gyllenhaal from Stronger. Nice. I thought he yeah. absolutely made that movie. He did. No, no question about that. He most certainly did. What is the best rental of the year, Brooks? Um, let's see here. I fucking changed my order. Give me one song. Uh, number five is going to be War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, number four is Spider-Man. Um... Number three is Logan. Number two is Wonder Woman. And best rental for me was Get Out, which I think was a rental. Yeah, most certainly. Yeah. All right. I love it. Um, my number – I'm going 10, baby. My number 10 nice. is Patterson, the movie I just talked about starring Adam Driver. Number nine, Spider-Man Homecoming. Number eight, The Meyerowitz Stories. New and selected. Check it out. It's amazing. Number seven, American Honey. Number six, Arrival. Number five, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Number four, Dunkirk, baby. Dunkirk is number four. Uh, Number three is The Handmaiden. Number two is Moonlight. And number one, and Edgar's pick for best rental as well, Manchester by the Sea. 
Nice, very nice. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Three hours later, the fifth annual Red Box Awards. I had a good time. I hope you survived. Um, <laughs> stay tuned next week. I'm really excited for the first episode of Failing to Communicate. Uh, we will be giving out our we'll we'll be splitting that those podcasts into categories of four with movies, TV, video games, and MMA. We will be doing a top five most anticipated list for each of those categories and a five predictions for each of those categories, as well as our New Year's resolutions for each of those categories. And we will break down everything that happened at UFC Fight Night 124 or 124, right? Okay. Uh, Anyway, catch us next week. Yeah, very exciting. This is not goodbye, so don't dry your eyes. (laughs) <laughs> or, so dry your eyes, I mean, shit. Never mind. <laughs> Alright, bye. <laughs> See you.